When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, uh, my name is David Griscom. I'm broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. I'm joined here by super producer Matt Leck, my comrade and friend, and wonderful person Alicia Brooks. Thank you all for joining us uh, this evening as we take some time to remember and honor and, and pay tribute to our our good friend and teacher Michael Brooks. We've been so moved over the past week by everybody's uh, love and support, and we really appreciate everything. And we'll have more time later to talk a little bit about what our plans are are going forward. But I wanted to open up the floor to everyone here so we could take a couple minutes before we move on to this incredible uh, slate of guests. So many people have been touched by Michael who have some really great insights to bring to the table. Um, but I just want to open up to Matt and Leisha here. You know, um, it has been... Ugh, a, a bottomlessly painful week and kind of the one the one kind of little glimmer of light or the one thing that kind of seems like I don't know that can possibly be made good out of this is just getting to continue to um you know do Michael's work and and uh it's it's been so such a blessing um being able to talk with you Matt and David and kind of just feel closer to Michael by how much time he's spent with you. So I'm, I feel really grateful that we're able to do this today. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's been amazing. This Basically, the support structure Michael left behind with all these amazing people that uh, I, I don't think a lot of us would could connect ourselves to on our own uh, efforts, basically. And yeah, I mean, Michael, uh, his absence will be missed, of course. I've told him before that he was sort of my Russell Brand. Um, I, I thought of, I you thought of, he, he, he's like Russell Brand. If Russell knew a little bit more about politics, it was a little bit more serious about Marxism. Um, and Michael's uh, a better driver, and, and that's from a personal experience. I've, I've had <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to do our best, folks, to continue bringing the sort of internet, everything that Michael wanted to bring. We're going to, I mean, he, he, let, he saw it in all of us, you know, and it, yeah. um, cultivated it in all of us, and uh, we're going to try to continue uh, bringing it to you. So uh, yeah, uh, stay with us. 
Yeah, and trying to bring that that spirit. And I think if if we're ready, uh, we have our first guest. Um, oh, is, my uh, mother. Is, yes, is Michael Brooks's mother, uh, uh, Donna Brooks. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna duck out quick uh, because, um, as I just realized, we had we have a thumbnail issue that we don't want to cover oh, okay. anybody. So I'll be. Uh, I'll let we'll let Donna come in and uh, we'll take our position here. But yeah, Matt, exactly. Here. Okay. We'll weave in here, but I'm not going away for good folks. Just so you don't. No, worry. no, no. All right. All right. Here's Donna. Might take a second. Yeah, it takes a little. Okay. No worries. Hey. Hi, mom. Hey, Donna. Hey. Hello. You need to turn on your camera when you get a chance. Oh, why is my camera not on? <laughs> do, you, do you at the bottom? I got yeah. it. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's so funny. It's not. You there it goes. Okay. There we go. Oops. Oops. Okay. There oh, she thank is. you. So I know the room's not great here, but it's what I got. Perfect. What I'm working with. Well, it's so good to see. It's great to see your face, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good. Well, thank you so much for for joining us and you know and sharing your son uh, with me. He's been such a big influence on my life, and I'm really happy to be talking with you right now. I, I heard that you had something that you wanted. You had a statement, or yeah. Well, I wanted to just talk a little bit about like what Michael was saying in the last days. I really was touched by the live stream he did, as a lot of people were on July 19th, mm-hmm. and he said what does it actually mean to be truly global to the extent we can local, national, international, simultaneously East, West, North and South, but from a place of actual growth and empathy. And this is where questions of consciousness come in and the questions of cultivating empathy, compassion, awareness, um, seeing complexity, comfort with oneself, solitude. These things are always part of Michael's life and I think they were becoming more and more important to him and I think he was able to help hold two truths about consciousness simultaneously and one thing is that he got a lot of strength and presence from cultivating stillness and really being able to learn how to listen and I think that's important for his listeners to know because I think a lot of the frustration he had about, you know, what was irritating about the left actually came (laughs) down to this lack of listening. Mm. And, but I also think the ability to listen, especially in stillness and silence, not even necessarily to a person is what built resilience in him. And these qualities that he's talking about, you know, solitude, the opposite of instant gratification, they demand resilience. And then the other aspect of consciousness that I think Michael was really aware of, and um, he didn't necessarily talk as much about, but I think really formed his work, influenced his work, is recovery from trauma. And we hear trauma is this like giant word, like trauma, like you were in 9-11, so you had a trauma, you know, maybe you had a head injury or you couldn't hear. But he was very aware that like poverty is a trauma, homelessness is a trauma, um, capitalism is a trauma for most people. And so, yes, these things need structural change, but it's also these things play with our nervous systems and our reactions as individuals and doing that work 
of unwinding the personal trauma mm -hmm. is what also really informed his work. And so that's just what I thought when I, I read that quote. And I think it also flows into another quote he said when he said, the cause is bigger than any individual, but the individual is the most important thing of any cause. Mm. And that's our challenge, not just on the left, but ideally as all human beings. And I do want to say just a couple more things because I also, you know, so proud of him when he went to Harvard and, you know, got to sit next to Dr. Weston and was really powerful. And he talked about uh, Martin Luther King's speech where Martin Luther King was quoting Nietzsche. And um, Martin Luther King, to paraphrase, said something like, love without power is sentimental. Mm. And I think this, you know, we think about compassion and kindness and, you know, stillness, it's not sentimental. Mm -hmm. It really gives you the power to go out and work in the world. And in my way of seeing things is the right has been less afraid of power than the left. And I think Michael shared that too. But the right's power is the other half of Nietzsche and Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote of power without love is, you know, abusive right. and corrosive. So as people on the left, and, you know, I will tell you, I was like a Marxist in college because I had a study and read Marx, and you have to embrace that power, and it's really quite a path to do it with love, and that was the path Michael went on. I'm, I'm, I'm so struck by that, that, too, just thinking about some of the work that, that we had been doing. You know, one of the commentaries that I, I highlight highlighted over the weekend uh, when I was on Annika Spearn and Nando's show uh, was one that we had written together, you know, about the difference between sympathy and solidarity. And, you know, it was sort of recognizing where like sympathy is a really important, um, you know, experience and feeling in this whole, it opens up a lot of people's minds, but having solidarity with people actually like preparing yourself to be in the struggle with somebody who is not you is like that next level. And Michael was really good at being able to like, to, you know, give that criticism without doing it in a way that was, you know, pushing those people away. It's actually saying it's like, Hey, you're sympathetic to these people in these struggles. You know, let's take that energy into actual productive uh, change in folks' lives. I yeah. also think it's yeah. important to say that like, that wasn't always the case. And that was something he grew and like figured out. Like, um, it's, it's not a quality you're either born with being able to do that or not. Like, Michael used to have a lot more rage and judgment towards the individual. Like, where he was now, mm -hmm. even a, a couple years ago, it was not like that. So I think another thing that is important when we talk about all this stuff is, like, I think especially when someone passes, it's so easy to sort of start to get, like, very one-dimensional about how they were so enlightened. But Michael really put the work in. Mm -hmm. And he was really, yeah. really... Um, really going deep into himself and deep into the work that came before him to, to find this. And, and he wrestled with it, you know? He, he had hard times with individuals, but he was really wrestling to find that truth. And, and for people who are missing him, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how to tell people to become that intellectual. I mean, he really <laughs> had an unusual brain in terms of the depth and breadth and his memory and how he could tie things together. But in terms of capacity to meet the world with resilience and to be intellectually and emotionally honest. 
those paths of stillness and listening coupled with a kind of ruthless Mm self-investigation and facing internal horrors and internal flaws is something that I felt like would be good for his his listeners to know that that's available to everyone. Yes. That wasn't special to him. That's not and he chose the path. Not everyone chooses the path. Exactly. I really appreciate I really appreciate you coming here and, and, and joining us. Yeah, um, I really wanted to. I'm glad you did, Mom. You look beautiful. Oh good, I'm good. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, I will go off screen then when you're ready to push me off screen and uh, I'll watch. No, thank you so much. I really you're, appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Nice thank to you. see you again, Donna. <laughs> yeah, good to see you. Bye-bye. All right. That's so right, though. That's so, she was so, so well, on point. Michael gets the intellect from my mom and the humor and, you know, the other stuff from my dad. So now hopefully he lives up to that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, Glenn, are we ready for him? You, are you good, yeah. David? Okay. Yeah, we're ready. I think he's downstairs in the hotel in a random conference room. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Speak. <laughs> but we'll, we'll change the name. Yep, got he's it. He's on my boyfriend's computer. <laughs> anyone who's mystified. I mean, it's a lot. I still, I was trying to zoom earlier, and I still don't have it completely down yet it's, it's, let's just be honest it's not the best hey actually we're looking into replacing it for TMBS so uh, yeah you know. have no fear um, let's see so it looks like we got the mic connection oh great yeah it looks like Sean is masked up hey <laughs> thank you Sean stay, stay, stay COVID safe we've been we've been doing it this whole time hey dad hey Alicia Hey, honored to see you, Matt and David. I love meeting you both. And I just wanted to say that your spirit and inquiry and caring, I always felt Michael was so well cared for and loved by you guys. So you're in my heart and in my family. It's so good seeing you both. Of course, uh, what Lisa said, I thought things were highlighting. As an example, uh, the president of the new president of Brazil, not Lula, I felt that one of the things with Michael... He had an ability to be very curious and inquire right in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, as an example, when he, even though he couldn't stand the, the new president of Brazil, Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro, I felt that he also was very caring, and if you will, and I think this is an aspect of his spirituality. I really felt he, he it's sort of like loving the person behind the, the the actions. Like the, as much as he felt that this man was a destructive force, I did feel he was very caring. I want to pause and just say that I just that, watch- just to hold on. Are you trying to say that he understood the things that led to people voting for him, or led him to feel that way? Is that what you're trying to say? Like he he was kind of it wasn't just like this one individual's a fascist. He was kind of like looking. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand what you're trying. Yeah, to I say. think what I'm saying is, and thanks for asking. Um, I think what I'm just saying that Michael. Michael, I think, was deepening around. Like he wasn't, he, he could have easily hated. Like there was an aspect he could have really hated this person because of what he did. And mm-hmm. I just felt there was a softening, in in the way he was. It's a, it's an example. Tottenick Hahn says, "Before you criticize Hitler, be aware of the Hitler that's in you." Like there's a, what we bring to our awareness is is a, how we communicate something has ripples, and I I felt that Michael's. 
In other words, when you discuss something and you see someone that represents something, in, in Christian mysticism, they talk about the appearance of something. And you got to realize the, there's something beyond just the appearance. And I thought Michael was making a conscious practice. To yeah, it reminds me of something that Cornell exactly, uh, said. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which is that he recognized that he, you know, when he called Donald Trump a gangster, and he's like, and I yes. know gangsters, like I have a little gangster in me. Sure. Um, yes, mm-hmm. that kind of that that kind of recognition that he was able to bring. I think. And you understood Bolsonaro was like a bozo, like true believer kind of type, <laughs> yeah. almost like yeah. <laughs> Totally. And Michael's favorite thing were gangster movies and the Sopranos. Like there was something about the like scrappy hustle of like having to like make something of of your life in this really brutal world that I think he, he did see that um it's not just like an isolated bad bad people bubble. Um leading up to the Cornell West connection was a very heartful period with Michael. Michael's, his heart of enthusiasm and depth of appreciation for Cornell West. He actually met Cornell West's daughter. She, she came to him after the lecture. And he said, he said, Dad, this beautiful woman came up to me. And then it clicked that, that this was Cornell West's daughter. And when he, uh, I guess when he, he, Cornell West called him to book the interview, he had called me. And I just felt so good in my heart. I actually wrote Michael a letter about that because I had listened to many, many conversations with Cornel West, and of course I'm totally biased here. I thought what he did with Cornel West was so deep and spirited and really, it was almost like um, I felt another whole level of concert came out and I, feel, I felt Michael's conscious love and appreciation for the divert, how to bring all these dimensions together. You know, Cornel West talked about being a blues singer. He talked about comedy and how to bring this all together. You can't just be, a, you can't just be so rigid and tight and, and transform people. Mm-hmm. I want to say that to people who are just so loving, it's I have felt your heart today. I have felt a symphony with Michael. It's been so strong. I've been seeing him from age four. We, we were in, we were in this area recently. We had we had uh, lunch together, and I just want to say, at least you said it really well. It's just been one of the most disastrous, overwhelming things I've ever experienced. But I want to. I, I say your love, Matt and Dave, um, the people around me have made such a world of difference. And I, I so love and appreciate you guys. And I, my vision, yes, to, to have Michael's work move on, to have you guys inquire and practice together. And don't, I think Michael would say this, don't arrive at a conclusion or an assumption. Keep inquiring, keep being alive, right? And that's the thing about Michael. When I started reading his first book on Castro, Big book. I could see him so spirited. Mm-hmm. You know, he wouldn't just rest in something. He would he would say things to me that make me wonder. Michael's life is full of wonder and inquiry and curiosity and, and incredible robust humor. He a master at making fun of me, by the way. Oh, oh, tons of fun. Tons of fun. That was yes, that was one of my whenever, whenever Glenn was in a bad mood, we got uh oh, tons of fun is here. Yeah. 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 We'll later. It's so true, and like he was always, it was always fun because you could usually know what Michael was reading at the time because he would tell you almost immediately, and he would be talking about it constantly on the show and in private. Influences personality immediately, yeah. And, and whenever you'd recommend a book that he would take up, like uh, Brief History of Seven Killings, I remember when I recommended that. Oh, to you're him. Right. that's how I got to me then. Thank you. Oh, really? Yeah. And he, we talk about it all the time. Like I never, I, I'm like I should have read it deeper before I 
oh, got yeah. Michael to it so I have more to say. <laughs> I, I thought I practically thought he wrote the book. He took such ownership of that that one. I had no <laughs> idea that, that you recommended it. I want I want to say I want to ask you guys. My experience was that Michael, when Michael told me about a movie, it was often much better than the movie. His ability <laughs> to communicate a movie to me, like he told me about uh, Denzel's movie, the uh, oh, where he plays the kind of underground. Uh, he was um, a force for good in the community, the equalizer. And I, I was so excited to see the movie because Michael had told me about it. But he, he, you know, he just uh, he just lit, he would often light the he would light up the room. And he, uh, early on, early on, I thought of him as the miracle of Michael. He just, um, he just emanated, he challenged in the most deep way. He made me re-examine things. And as I, I said the other day at the memorial, his hug, no matter what had happened or what we'd been through, his hug, no other hug like that. It was so deep and so wondrous. And I kind of feel that hug has touched a lot of people in its own, it's, it, for many expressions. Mm. Many, many expressions. Absolutely. I've been, the messages we've gotten, that's definitely been the case that he's found other ways to, to reach out to people too. It's beautiful. One last thing I'm just going to ask um, Dave before my dad hops off. Mm-hmm. Why did Michael, at a, such a young age, what inspired him to wear a suit and tie? Starting mm-hmm. at age like three or four, he would wear a suit. What, 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 what turned him on to that? Mm-hmm. He was known as Tie Guy. As one guy? In, he was known as tie guy. That's what he was called. Oh, yeah. he wore ties. Got yeah, it. he wore ties and suits. As a matter of fact, he would sleep next to me in, in a suit. He didn't <laughs> want to take the suit off. Um, and there was a, an eye doctor in town. People would bring him ties. Like people would bring him ties. The, the merchants. And it was like every phase with Michael was a full phase. Like that was when he was tie guy. When he was he was in a suit. <laughs> he just he was he. It was almost like he was uh, hosting his own talk show. He just was so alive to it. Like when he was into cars and, and the, someone, someone had a broken car or something, he would just find it so fascinating. You know, he had this, he had a very unusual sense of both a vivid imagination and, and just sort of the, he was intellectually very attuned. Like when he would discuss things, he would discuss them in a way that, like I love discussing in talks with Michael. There was people we would watch together Mm-hmm. His feedback on those people, Warren Earhart, there was different people who really had brought transformation into the world. Yeah. Uh, Trumpa, spiritual materialism, uh, don't know if there was another Zen book. But he would, he found these practices and he would weave them in with the, the political practices. Like, how do you actually become aware of yourself so you're not overrun by anger and you become a destructive force? Yeah. So on the last show, I think it was a week ago, you guys could correct me, he did a show kind of acknowledging the work of Ken Wilber when he talked about being integral. So being integral is all these different quadrants, areas of our lives. How do you bring them together? So as an example, the relationship quadrant, how is that for you? you know, or how's the, rela- how's the quadrant where you're in politics? Right. And his thing was bringing those together. So beautiful. Yeah. So um, we love you, Dad. We, we have I love you a lot. Hey, I love you guys, and I love I'll all the people. I'll try and find some pictures of tie-dye and put them online. Okay. Love, love you. Love you. Love, love the listeners, too. Thank you, guys. Love, love you, Glenn. Love, love you, you a lot. Love you. Sorry, I just had to ask about tie-dye. Oh, no. That's <laughs> I, know that, I didn't know that that was... Uh, have that history. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know we were going to go back into it all, but uh, it was great. Um so really quickly, is, is this some, okay, yeah. so, um, you know, 
we as a team, I guess, like, it's become very clear in the last week that the impact Michael was having on the world was even bigger than I think he knew or any of us knew. And he was bringing a lot of different people together, both across, you know, our country, but also globally, global impact. And we want to keep this work going. And we feel like we're all kind of gathered at the same mountain, forgive the cheesy metaphor, but this is where we're all together. So we want to, you know, keep this community alive. We want to keep growing our Patreon members. We'd love to have new people join. And it's going to be a work in progress. And we're going to, there's no replacing Michael Brooks. That's, that's, unfortunately, Michael is gone. But what he's left behind is a lot of blueprints and clues as to what what was coming. And um, we're going to be working really hard, us and, you know, a larger team around us to do his future work justice and and continue the vision and the mission. Um, So please join us and um, encourage other people to join us. This this work is is immediate and it's going to impact us kind of as long as as humans are around. We're at a fork in the roads of our existence. Yeah, one of the more... um... Uh, I guess selfishly, one of the things that was most comforting for me is the guests that um, we frequently had here and how much, you know, it hurt them that, you know, they weren't going to be able to talk to Michael anymore about this sort of stuff. And we want to make sure we maintain a space for all those sorts of conversations uh, going forward. So, um, yeah, and thanks to everyone who got sending super chats. Very sweet of you. Like, we're, you know, I I have to start saying that stuff now because Michael's not here, too. Um, He was so good at that. But anyway... Um, yeah, like Patreon is still up. Um, we're going to, you know, we're looking at other platforms to expand stuff. We're, we basically, we're going to take a little break after this show, I think, to yeah. maybe decompress a little bit. Because this last week's been, I mean, one of the most momentous of my life. And I imagine it's for both of you. Um, I know it is. Uh, and But we're going to, you know, reform and uh, figure out how best. Because, uh, uh, I mean, I think we all felt it um, after the initial, like, shock that, there's a bit of motivation there to try to keep um, this project alive um, for Michael. So I think so too. And I want people to know, you know, as we mentioned, you know, going forward without Michael is going to be very difficult and in, in some aspects impossible. We can't, we can't ever, you know, find a, a voice to, to replace that, but in Michael's spirit, and we were spending so much time over the past few weeks, gaming out the future and really building um, and, and coming up with what the next phase of TMBS, we really were pr- planning a, a massive relaunch and a very ambitious uh, new program. And my intention, I know it's shared um, across the board here, is that we're going to come out very strong. Yeah, we'll, we'll make some mistakes and things like that, but the intention is to come out and being putting out the quality of work that you know we spent the past few years putting out and continuing to build the shows and, uh, and the people who we have in our in our family and are participating in these conversations and also making sure we're still highlighting all those voices that you're really not getting many other places. So thank you so much to everyone supporting us through you know, the YouTube channel and on patreon.com slash TMBS. It's really meant so much to see the community really rally around us. And uh, I, can't, I can't say to you how humble um, you know, it makes me and also how optimistic and ambitious I'm feeling at the same time. Trying yeah, exactly. To that's Michael's spirit. And, you know, on that note, I think we have a really incredible uh, group of guests here. Do we have our first one? Here's Ben uh, Ben Burgess. By Comrade Ben. 
who's been who's been such a big part of the show throughout the years. You all know him from the debunk segments. Uh, Michael and him have co-written works together. Um, he's a good friend and comrade, Mr. Ben Burgess. Hey, brother. Hey, it's ben. good to see you, Ben. Alicia, it's nice to meet you. It's really nice to meet you. I was listening to you on Anna's show, and it, it um, just made me so happy that you would sleep over and, and wake up and, and write with Michael. It gave me, um, I don't know, I, I just felt like, oh, good. Ben was there. They, they had that time. Yeah, yeah. When, um, when you were you were talking earlier about how uh, how much you loved uh, gangster movies and, you know, the uh, the sort of maybe symbolic role that played in his uh, perpetual scrappy hustle. You know, that's, uh, you know, I was thinking about being over at, uh, you know, his and his girlfriend's apartment and um, uh, just watching Donnie Brasco on Netflix one night and uh, and having this conversation about a scene in the movie where... Um, you know, one of the gangsters is trying to get another one to betray a third one. It doesn't matter, but the uh, but in uh, but like he sort of sets it up by uh, by saying, "Oh, you know, I, I never want to like bash you know this other guy," and we we're just like joking about how this was like every like shitty salon and slate article that sure, does like the paragraph sure. where they set up oh, all the obvious objections yeah, yeah. to whatever they're saying. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like Michael. the structure of that joke was so Michaelish, you know. It's so brilliant. I know. I I have to like warm up to a few, but he really gave me some good stuff on Sunday night before he passed. And this is probably way too personal to share with the internet. But when I um I collected his belongings from the hospital and um I took them back to my hotel room and we just watched Good Goodfellas and I poured in a little whiskey, which by him I mean a bag of his clothes who had mm. been talking to. <laughs> and it just felt like I don't know. It just felt right. He just he loved those movies. I need to watch Narcos. Speaking of which, oh Narcos, Narcos season <laughs> one. But then you know he got excited about the Cali Cartel as well. So it's all. Good. <laughs> yeah, he was really trying to build that hustler socialism. Yeah, he, he wanted to be all... cool. He wanted to be chic. He like you know he he liked the pizzazz. That's one thing I don't think. I think the amount of people that said he was really cool, I think he would. Like, I think a lot of people knew he was funny. Um, I think he knew people thought he was smart, but I think, like, the coolness, I think he would appreciate <laughs> yeah. that people thought he was so cool. No question. Well, well, Ben, you know, um, this is sort of like, you know, your space to reflect, is, you know, especially on, on the work. Um, if there's anything that yeah. you wanted to hit on remembering about Michael, we'd really appreciate that right now. Yeah, you know, I think, I think from going back to the time, you know, last summer when, you know, I was reading over drafts of of his book, and uh, and we were talking about that a lot, you know, and uh, I think the, you know, the part of the book that was most important to him for anybody who's read it was the uh, was the very last chapter, you know, where he talks about uh, cosmopolitan socialism, you know, by which. He, he meant both um, this kind of deep internationalism that many people have commented on that that was um, that was incredibly important to him. You know, I can't imagine how much it would have meant to him to know that he would get a uh, memorial tweet from Lula. Yeah. Uh, that's that's so amazing. Uh, but also, um, but also this way of thinking about um, culture that you know like this this kind of way of sort of 
steering between the uh, the the rock of the Western chauvinism and bigotry of the right, and the um, and the way that the uh, the left can often sort of be toxic and and kind of try to micromanage, you know, cultural expression and. Mm-hmm. You know, which uh, you know, which he hated more than anybody. You know, I know, but uh, <laughs> you know, so much, uh, and um, and and just instead, you know, like take that that kind of metaphor, you know, cosmopolitanism, literally, that you know, just just sort of having people interact and uh, and and culturally intermingle and cross pollinate in the way that people do when they're put together, you know, in cities, you know, that that kind of vision, that way, that way of you know, being in the world, you know, was was really important to him, uh, and uh, you know, thought about it a lot, especially since on on the uh, you know the night before he died, I'd, I'd thought about calling him uh, to, to try to nail down a writing session because one of the articles we were supposed to work on, you know, he'd um, he'd you know, like the last time he texted me about it was like a week and a half before, but I was kind of trying to. You know, give him a little bit of space because he was having a rough time, you know, with quarantine. And uh, but one of the articles we we're supposed to work on was this thing about cosmopolitan socialism, and uh, you know, and, and I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to get, you know, wanted to try to nail down a time to uh, to work on that. But then I thought, you know, there's there's no, you know, there's no rush. It's late, right? You know, we'll uh, we'll we'll get on this tomorrow. But. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I would, I guess I'd just say, you know, more, more generally, you know, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking in the last, in the last week about, um, you know, the impact that he had on me and, uh, and just, just the way that he was, you know, that, that, uh, that scrappy hustle that you're talking about that, like he, he had this way of being very, um, you know, unconflicted about sort of sort of uh, promoting, you know, his 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 work and you know and, and his contributions, mm-hmm. and not having some of the neurotic hangups, you know, that many of us on the left often you know <laughs> often have about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd even kind of say like that's you know like uh, that's that's something like having this like weird hang-ups about that, right? You know, it's, maybe that's for rich kids, you know? <laughs> you know like, I, think, I think he just knew he was right. Not, not yeah. that he didn't learn, but, like, I think I think a lot of what made him crazy was other people just not getting it. Like, I think the reason he responded to Lula so much was he just saw, like, oh, this is what I see, and this guy's taking action. Like, the, the night, the last, our last phone conversation, um, you know, we were kind of butting heads. You know, we definitely would butt heads about seeing we talked about real stuff. It wasn't just, you know, chit-chat. And we kind of were arguing about one thing, and then I said to him, I, he kind of like, we kind of came to like a standstill, and he goes, well, do you want me to explain it to you or not? <laughs> and I go, and I, I was so close just being like, well, fuck you, or, you know, whatever, hang up, call him back in the morning. You know, we, we'd cover things. Yeah. And then I kind of just laughed. Because, you know, as annoying as it was, it was, like, so annoying because I want to be right so badly about something. And I'd be, like, talk for another 20 minutes. I'd be, like, ugh! And, you know, so then I go, okay, Michael, explain it to me. And he starts explaining it. And then after, like, 15 minutes, I go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone else gets it the way you do. And I don't, I don't think you can assume the level of, like, acceptance is that way. But you're right. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely a lot of confidence there, even though he was constantly learning. And honestly, I think he was one of the most intellectually curious people I've ever known. You know, like the uh, you know David was talking earlier about how you could always tell what he was reading, but even this even the stuff that wasn't like the main book that he was like talking about all the time, right? You know, like I, you know, I I do, you know, would I be yeah, I mean, it'd be in his apartment, and I'd see, uh, which, you know, I was just thinking, you know, when your uh, when your dad said that thing about how when he was reading his first book about Fidel Castro, and I was trying to imagine my dad saying that about me, you know, it's like, I, oh, I remember when dad was reading his first book about Fidel, you know, but, uh, he, uh, you know, yeah. he, uh, but like, you know, but of course, you know, because he had that 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 picture from when uh, when Fidel was in New York to, to talk to the UN in there but I'd, I'd always um, look at all the sort of half finished books you know that, that he'd have around and, and it was just um, you know when he started having somebody like Harvey K or Richard Wolf or you know uh, Cornel West on you know like he'd, he'd, he'd get like become interested in somebody like this and just go back and try to read you know everything they'd written, and 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 he was constantly trying to to you know synthesize um, everything he was learning from that, and you know, and, and he was so you know like 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 it was striking when he didn't try to do this kind of like dialectical synthesis of of, of what he'd learned from different perspectives. You know, what he did occasionally, like one of the last episodes, um, you know, before he passed, he, uh, the, you know, he, he was talking about uh, Adolf Reed and, like, it was, like, really striking because it was so out of character. He was just like, yeah, I generally try to do this synthesis thing, but, uh, you know, Adolf's just right. <laughs> you know, it was so, you know, it was so striking, you know, but, uh, you know, it really, it really speaks to that confidence. And, and also, I think he had a sense, you know, when, when he did have that, you know that like constant effort to to you know put his you know put his work out there you know which which I hope you know has rubbed off on me a little bit in the last couple of years you know um, you know being being able to get to know him so well you know it's like part of you know part of what made it different from like you know petty careerism or anything like that you know was 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 that it was all so integrated together that like it was it was he. You know, he was trying to uh, to put his stuff out there and find new ways and new audiences. And, you know, this new, we launched the show he was talking about. There were at least, like, three ideas for new books that I heard about, you know. You know, last year was life. There was a second Jacobin show coming, you know, that, like, know. Uh, it was all... We'll be playing a pitch for like a mini uh, documentary on uh, Lava Jato that he was involved with uh, next time on the show whenever we uh, get back. Yeah. A lot of yeah. fun. Pants in the fryer, whatever the yeah. expression. Yeah, is. totally right. And it was all, it was all integrated, obviously, with this 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 political project. He was very dedicated to, you know, that and, and very, um, you know, for being this this person who who was constantly reading and constantly thinking. It was also a very not like abstract and intellectualized intellectual. You know, political project. It was a it was a, a visceral one. You know, that uh, yes. try to have. You know, a world where nobody's insecure in their housing or healthcare. You know that uh, everybody, you know, everybody has access to decent food. Um, full stop. That full was, stop. Was, yeah. Full stop. Well, Absolutely. And ben, I, I hope you can yeah. continue to, you know, yeah. come on the show and educate me and our listeners on, on just everything. And also, I really hope you write that article that you're, you guys are working on. And I, yeah. I just, um, I, I don't know. Oh, for sure. 
I, you know, as as long as the as long as this project continues in any form, I'm always here for it. Ben's part. Of, Ben's part of the integral theory. Like Michael used to crap on logic, but um, we did bring a logic guy specifically to cover a base. So. <laughs> you know, you have your own intro song. You're you're there forever. Yeah, well, it, at, at its at its funny too, right? Because because I was you know like earlier this week, Bhaskar uh, texted me with that 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 uh, that clip from when we were both on together. And, and and we were kind of like bantering about it, uh, astrology, and Michael said, "Don't bring, clip. you know, don't bring yeah. that nerd, nerd shit on my yeah, show." Yeah, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah. you know, but 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 as much like joking around as he did about that, you know, that that uh, that debug segment that was a hundred percent his idea. I, 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 I had no. A yeah. perfect segue there is that uh, Michael was a Leo and he was very proud to share his Leo birthday with Fidel Castro. So <laughs> that, that kind of encapsulates all, all the sides of Michael in that. Yeah. Appreciate it, Ben. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank so you. Much, ben. And, uh, you know, I love you, comrade. And everyone, please check out uh, his, his piece in the Jack and Remember Michael. It's very sweet. And the debunk right. will live on. And the debunk thank you, brother. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. Uh, that's me. Oh, I love Ben. He's the man. Yep. Ben, Ben's a, Ben also will go through your bookshelf if he ever goes to your house. That's one thing. <laughs> That's a good point. Here's, uh, here comes Brianna. Oh, wonderful. Here we go. I'll just wait one second for her video to come on. I mean, uh, so I think we're – Bri, are you there? I'm here. Hey, Bri. Um, everyone, uh, you know, this is Brianna Joy Gray, uh, TMBS crew, as Michael was always proud to say, uh, an old friend of the show and somebody who's gone on to do some really amazing things. Um, I'm so happy to see your face. Thank you for coming on today. Of course. Of course, I wouldn't miss it for anything. Hey, Brie. Hey, Matt. <laughs> I have to duck so you're not covered by a watermark, but just wanted to say hi. <laughs> oh, it's good to see you. It's good to see that face and that stash. Everyone's living their best uh, COVID life. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Well, Brianna, you know, um, you know, we wanted to give you a little bit of time to come on here and remember our, our friend Michael and, you know, you know, his work, but just anything that, that you have. I know you guys are such good friends and known each other for a little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, I feel really fortunate to have become a part of, you know, the show so early. I mean, we have to, I've been reflecting on this a lot and you really have to understand that I was coming to, the Michael Brooks show from, from nothing, right? I had literally published my first two articles in current affairs. They were the second and third things I had ever written in my life. And, you know, the identity politics one kind of took off. I don't know how, which of you or Michael saw it and found it, but I don't know how much I would have been introduced to the broader world of left media. I don't know how much currency I would have had um, beyond that article. I don't know how much confidence I would have had to continue to pursue writing and to say yes to other kinds of interviews if you all hadn't reached out and given me that platform. And I was incredibly intimidated uh, to come on the show because Michael was so brilliant and so informed um, and did the work of being granularly knowledgeable about things that I confess I often (laughs) am sort of lazy about. And I I really relied on him um, for that kind of political education. And once I became hip to the show, listening to it constantly, because it felt as though it was one of the few places where I was actively growing with every listen. Um, you know, every every show, every podcast, I don't listen to for that reason. Sometimes I listen because I want catharsis. Sometimes I listen because I just want to, 
you know, hear my own beliefs parroted back to me and not necessarily be challenged. I mean, it is what it is. It's hard. You're out here constantly being gaslit by the world, and sometimes that's what you need. But um, the Michael Brooks show is so smart. And also, almost more importantly, I think, um, so compassionate and humanistic. And it managed to be that way without seeming kind of preachy or, like, squishy or, like, crunchier or whatever. Um and that's a really difficult balancing act to pull off, to make it seem like it can be cool and interesting and fun to also be good and just and humane. Um, and to have those sentiments grounded in history and theory and also almost a kind of a, a spirituality um, that also seemed incredibly pragmatic mm-hmm. and and focused on um, practice and real life effects. And I, you know, I, the the loss is obviously human first and foremost. Um, but I, I remember I had this, you know, kind of secondary wave of that felt very familiar because I remember feeling it after Bernie had his heart attack, which was, oh my gosh, we're losing this human being that we all love and, you know, we value. And also, what does this mean for our movement? Mm-hmm. Who possibly fills that same sort of role? You know, where do we go from here? Who can carry the mantle? Who's prepared, um, perfectly oriented, and perfectly positioned to be able to do this kind of work? And that's that's really tough. <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's really hard. It's a it's a real double um, double kind of a whammy. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you guys are all doing this, and I'm I'm so glad. Um, that y'all, y'all are still here with the infrastructure to, to push this project forward and continue that work. Well, it's just something that I want to to mention too. Is like. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, one, you know, one, obviously the loss, but two, how incredible it is, like how instrumental Michael had was in a lot of people's lives. You know, Ben was just talking about, you know, doing all this work with Michael coming on the show. And like, Michael was really a, a wonderful person at like seeing, you know, talent and intelligent, and wonderful people and trying to encourage everybody to continue to grow that like right now I'm sitting in this moment and I'm just like, Oh God, how can we you know go on without Michael? And I'm realizing that Michael's been doing the work to prepare it you know he's like he's been doing the work to like grow all these other people so that it wasn't always just going to be him he really was trying to build everybody up and you know a lot of people as you know um in this kind of community especially the media scene that is not their perspective at all they they see anybody grow and they try to tear them down right because yeah like, michael never really had that perspective and something i'm really proud of been a part yeah. of and working and learning from him on that level yeah absolutely i remember i mean i i i thought of him as someone to always ask for advice um, because I think I associated so much of my kind of personal journey through the left media world with him and the show was a kind of a constant touch, a touchstone throughout, you know, my ex-boyfriend texted me saying, oh my gosh, like I remember when you first went on after your first writing, how integral that was to those early days and how excited and nervous you were. And, you know, it's, it's really true. And I remember as I was, you know, things happened really quickly uh, in my personal for my personal political trajectory and I remember when Bernie reached out about coming on to the campaign the first person I wanted to ask about it was Michael because you know he I knew that he understood my concerns he knew that I was balancing this idea of being kind of an impartial journalist and knowing how few lefty journalists there are and particularly the way that identity was bound to be weaponized in the campaign and kind of the strategic value of having an independent black journalist you know is that worth giving up 
to go internally. And, you know, I, I knew that there were a few other people who kind of knew where I was coming from who could really assess that with me, both pragmatically and also who had kind of um, the grace not to feel some kind of way. Because I, I personally, I will admit, I was a little embarrassed to be coming to him as someone who I was looking up to and I knew had, you know, such a broader understanding of a lot of things than I did. Um, and saying, hey, I've been presented with this opportunity. I was a little sheepish about it, but he was so graceful about it and so, so helpful. He was so happy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I felt it, and yeah. what I'm feeling now is, you know, obviously it's another period of tr- transition for everyone in the left, but obviously professionally for me as well, and I was anticipating being able to kind of vet my possibilities, um, my, vet my choices with Michael. And it's, it's, a, it's a really strange place to be in. I know. Well, just really briefly before we let you go, I hope you remember like those first few shows you came on that it wasn't too intimidating. We tried to make it fun, get everyone a little bit drunk before they went on stage. Um, you, you guys were a blast. I mean, I remember when I went to work for the campaign, my first thought was, okay, I'm going to take down my personal podcast because Bernie doesn't need that. <laughs> Although I'm proud of every word said, like he just doesn't yeah. need the media cycle. Um, and then I was like, gosh, what am I going to do about all those TMBS? Is that a post game that I said that? Yeah, we clip <laughs> up the post games, yeah, which is a problem sometimes. <laughs> you clip that up for Those are great. <laughs> Whenever I'm glad they're out there. We, we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Well, Brianna, thank you so much for coming on. I hope to be able to talk to you again soon sometime. And and thank you for all the wonderful work that you've been doing. Of course. You guys guys are doing something really special, and I appreciate you all. Can't wait to post-pandemic to meet in person. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Bye, Bri. All right. Here's Nando. Oh, nice. Those were so much fun, (laughs) especially those early shows, man. (laughs) We had a yeah, lot of beer I mean, in the studio. We, had, we did a lot of beer. Hey, Nando. <laughs> Nando. Nando, we were just talking about how much beer we had in the studio of the early TMBS shows. Was beer a part of uh, Woke Bros? Or did, was he, no. he kind of moved away from that, I think. Yeah. Well, got, also, we, mature you know, we usually ate those like a little earlier, I think. And yeah, so not, not right. as much beer. But, uh, you know, yeah, the true heads know that the, the real good episodes were the ones where you guys were just hammered. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's it. That's it really got good. Nando, thanks so much, uh, you know, for coming and joining us. You know, you, you've been such a good friend to us and uh, we've had so many good memories, you know, outside, but also with the show. Um, we've been rem- remembering a lot, especially over this last week, as we try to remember Michael also trying to remember all the really fun times. And I have to say that LA show that we all did together is probably one of the more fun nights of my life. Oh man. Yeah. That was incredible. Well, Big Waz got absolutely plastered, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we didn't get canceled uh, from something he said that night. And then I remember going out after with you guys and Griscom. First of all, you're like, I was like shocked at how young you were. I was like, man, these kids are so goddamn smart. You know, I was <laughs> such a shithead when I was 22 years old or whatever. Uh, but then you're like this like incredible soccer star. And then I got incredibly jealous all over again because like, you, no one knows this about Griscom, but Griscom is like an elite athlete over Professional, here. Professional, semi-pro, right? Or what was the yeah. story, dude? Yeah, I, wow. I, played, I played some pretty serious soccer back in the day. But it's all behind me. I've, uh, I, I gave up soccer for beer and uh, cigarettes. Yeah. But uh, he was a goalkeeper, so it wasn't all behind him back then. So. Hey. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, that LA that LA night was amazing. I mean, I remember I remember like when Mike was like, "Hey, you want to do my LA show?" I mean, I had no concept of how big your audience was or anything like that. And when he asked me, I have to admit I was like, "Ooh, is this going to be like one of those like really embarrassing things where like we show up and there's 14 people, uh, half of them that is such are a like Michael response, like, "Ooh, it's going to be like not cool. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, but I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll support, you know, and, and, and I was like, oh, shit, is this going like, to be like super embarrassing? It's going to mm-hmm. be 12 people. And um, and, uh, and I show up a couple hours early, you know, because he asked me to, hey, you show up early and we can do some warm-up. We can go through the show. And I was like, yeah. And there was a line around the block to get in. And I was like, Am I at the right venue? This is the, all these people came to see Mike, and 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 it was like when we walked up and people were like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I was like, man, and you could tell like he was like he was like a little freaked out, but also like this is cool. Yeah. Was oh, that yeah. the second live show? It was New York, and then LA was the second live show. LA was the first one we traveled for. Yeah. 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 It was that was when it hit me how big it was getting because um, I had I've been repeating myself. I've interpersonally told you guys these stories, but um, I remember a couple of people had driven up from Tijuana, and I found that out very early in the evening. Mm-hmm. And then um, afterwards, there were all these people that you know want to talk to him and take pictures. And it was just like it's such a thing. I was like, oh my god, this is getting really big. And then there were not one but two people that told me they had flown from New York to see the second live show and one of them was like oh it worked out with my work and I was kind of like oh cool like you you know you're bi-coastal do you work in California and he was like no I just get two days off a year so I was able to come to the the LA show and that was kind of my like oh wow like this is really impacting people that was kind of the and and it was very fun and drunk and he was so amazing too at those shows. It's like, you know, because all those, you'd come and meet people before and then after the show. And, you know, Matt and I would sort of, you know, try to meet people, but we were a little sheepish and a little nervous. And Michael would do what he called, you know, turning on his Bill Clinton. And he would yeah. introduce himself to Lead handing, you know, back slapping. Yeah. Back slapping, yeah. yeah. That was no, one I, of the first impersonations was Bill. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, like, yeah. That's Baskar Sankara's favorite. But yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. No, I I remember um, I remember thinking at the time and and talking about it with Mike afterwards, you know, because I I come from the world of t- television production and I uh, you know produced several shows and stuff for cable and I was like, you know, the, the the way you feed off of and control the crowd energy, you need to eventually consider doing your show with a live audience like every yes. week you know the yes, way they do absolutely. it the way they do it at like uh, uh the tonight show or uh bill maher or whatever like they have the audience in there because it yeah. creates a different vibe um it creates a different vibe both for the host but also for the viewer um watching it on tv because there's just a different kind of energy there and mike was absolutely in his element with mm-hmm. the crowd kind of doing thing and him like interacting with the crowd and you know um, so I was like, man, if, if you were, if you could, if you could do that, pull that off somehow, even if it's a small audience, like you guys would just have been, yeah. I mean, he was not going to suck. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was always, I mean, he was so good, good with people. And yeah, as would be you know, before though, before, you know, we, we let you go. Um, you know, I just want to give you a second if there's anything else you want to remember about Michael, cause he was such a good friend to you too. And y'all did so many amazing other things as well together. Yeah. I mean, in general, just the, 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 the quickness and genuineness of his friendship was 
something that you just don't see very often. I mean, we're a little older, uh, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, you, you know, at this point you kind of have your friends, and, mm. you know, there's no new friends. Come on, you know? And, um, but he, you know, he, he, he was just like very genuine and very, very quickly was very good at sparking up a friendship. And that, I'm not the only one who's saying that. I think this, this is true of like Ben Burgess and a million other people that, that, that came into his life through this kind of strange world of left media. Um, and he was always he was always very good at looking for ways to work together, connecting people. I mean, I remember when he when he was like, "Hey, you want to maybe do a, a monthly Sopranos show for the for the patrons and TMBS?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, fuck yeah!" <laughs> you know, that sounds like the best thing ever. Um, you know, like after you know, I, I I do my stupid little entourage show, which I which I pitched to him. He was the first person I ever talked to about it. I was like, I have this like stupid idea. Uh, <laughs> it's the stupidest idea ever. No one's going to like it, but I kind of want to do it. And he was like, dude, that's a great idea. You should do it. I remember I was at dinner with him in LA uh, when I when I told him about it. Um, so just a very genuine um, desire for people around him to be their best selves, you know, and doing mm. it in like a non cheesy way, like not like in a non annoying way, you know, like, cause he's cool. Like everyone, yeah. everyone talks, he's cool. He's not annoying or cheesy. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just what I'll remember. I mean, outside of like, you know, again, asking about every complex political question that I just don't have the, uh, capacity to work out on my own. I usually asked him, you know, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to think about this? And he would usually be like very cool about it. I, I'm thinking like this, this and that. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll miss him dearly. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you guys, you know, continuing doing the thing. You know, you, you Griscom, especially, you're so young. I mean, I don't know how old Matt, super producer Matt Like is, but I just know you're, 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 ah, on, you're old. How David uh, are you? Uh, how old are you, David? I'm 27. 27, a child. 19. I was like, what's happening? Yeah, a child. Is it legal we drank together? Did I get dad by the alcohol? So, yeah, so just continue doing it, man. And you guys continue doing this, and and I'll be watching for sure. I love you so much, Nando. Yeah, thanks so much, brother. Love you, you, Nando. Love you, man. Oh, man. I'm just like remembering that was such a great night, and, and it was a rock, That's the only time I've ever been to LA, and like it's such a rock star memory for LA. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> that that show was very it was wild show. Honestly, like there was some very well, was rambunctious. Was yeah. <laughs> what? Not even just was like was. I mean, was is part of the entertainment and part of the talent, but I mean, there's some people that were not part of the talent that were getting a little bit. Uh, I mean, people brought some treats. Yeah, I remember that too. Well, people brought treats to Chicago too, but uh, that's for another time. Let's another, see. Another Are you all set up, Was? Yeah, got- yeah I'm, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? We can, we can hear you hear fine. You. We cannot see you yet, though. Oh, am I, oh, I didn't realize we were doing on camera. Sorry. Yeah, that's cool. You can do it without right. camera if you don't. Whatever is. Cool. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be better that way. Then cool. no problem, man. Because well, I'm actually in the car. Oh, oh good. Thanks so much for doing this, man. I know it's not an oh, easy time. Of course. Um, it's, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, you know, obviously, salute to to Matt and, and Dave. Uh, you know, all the work that you guys did with with Mike over the years was just incredible. Um, you know, you guys got to spend more time with him than anybody. 
Uh, so, you know, I know the, the loss has felt deeply for you guys and it was beautiful to connect with you guys as well as Leisha mm-hmm. and Mike's mom, um, Donna, um, and just, you know, his dad, just meeting the people that were in Mike's life mm-hmm. before I got to know him, um, was really cool. Uh, it really moved me. And as I said on Sunday, it, um, it actually made me feel closer to Mike, um, knowing where he's from, you know, um, how he came up. It's really cool and it's really heartening. Um, but, you know, as I've just, as I've been thinking about it for the last eight days, I guess it is now, um, how we go about uh, moving forward and, and, and doing our best to carry on the things that Mike felt were important. Um, you know, I think the mission is, is, is clear, you know, um, I think advocating for the issues that, you know, we already care about, but doing so steadfastly. Um, I know Nando was on, um, and I love what Nando had to say about it. Not to repeat any of his points, but he, you know, he talked about being dejected after Bernie lost the nomination. Mm -hmm. And it was Mike who told him like, Hey man, that's part of it. Um, we're going to lose sometimes, but we got to, you know, the, point is we got to keep fighting mm-hmm. um and and i've been really thinking about that for the last eight days um i think that that's just important i'm um, not even to speak in vagaries but it's just about using whatever we got you know collectively as individuals whatever we're fortunate enough to have in in, in attention or money or whatever mm-hmm. right. um and, and putting that in service of you know a bigger cause than us which is the cause of poor and working people um, and the, you know, the never ending fight to achieve some sort of equanimity out here, you know, um, to get these, get our overlords to give some of this stuff back mm-hmm. that rightfully belongs to us yep. um, and just keeping that fight going, you know, um, and that's, you know, that's basically where I've been at, especially coming off of the weekend, which the services were beautiful yeah. Um, I don't. I know Leisha had a big, big hand in in planning that and putting all of those, moving all of those parts together. Um, I was deeply moved by the entire experience of being in community with everybody, um, and just being in that space, both you know, like physically, but spiritually. Yeah. You know, the space that we were in this week, this past weekend. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, for for Mike's send off, it was beautiful. And um, I told the people that, uh, that of the of the property um, that they, uh, Sunday is not a day that I will soon forget. Um, it was a very incredible experience. So you know, I don't know what else to say besides that. Happy you guys were both there. That that meant the world to me. I also just want to say one thing was a lot of people have reached out to me also saying like Michael's work was making them realize they need to stand with their working class brothers and sisters. It wasn't just, he was getting through to both sides of, of this, you know, insanity and people who I think are like, don't realize that they should, that's who they should be standing with. And that's the side of the team they are. And they've been manipulated into thinking they need to identify with, you know, the ruling class and, and the people of the power. And I, I've just been, so touched by that part of what's what's been coming back to me from the messages. Yeah, I think, um, man, I, I think that's 
that's a part of uh, honestly a part of my own ideology or way of thinking about things that's been and this is not uh, I'm not putting on airs here like this is I can directly attribute it to Mike right it's about yes um we need to address these issues of inequality when it comes to you know the oppression of black people of gay and trans people of brown people um of all these types of people um, but we need to never, ever, ever decouple it exactly. from the exactly. class question. Exactly. You know, like yeah. that's that's just it's it's fundamental to how I think about things now. Um, and I think again, like it's an easy way to divide divide us when we do decouple it from the class question, right? When you can't say, you know, you know what? Fuck you if you're poor and you're white. I'm black. The shit mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you get to, where that's a way where you get to, you don't have to acknowledge anybody else's suffering, right? And and again, I can say this as a black person. It's not to say I'm like, oh, all suffering is the same suffering. Of course not. That's ridiculous. You know, um, but, you know, the bottom line is, yes, um, proportionally, black people have been affected by you know, this struggle, you know, more than anybody else in this country because of the legacy and the history of this country. That's just a fact. There's no two ways about it. But those same laws, those same tactics, the the divisive nature of the ruling class has done the work of oppressing non-black people too. And um, we need to always always make sure that everybody understands this you know yes uh, the cause of black people is a special one here because of all the things that we already know slavery Jim Crow you know the dissolution of the reconstruction effort uh, mass incarceration what all of these things have happened in this country and absolutely contribute to um, you know the status of you know, the descendants of African people here. Um, and that's important, and we should never forget that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it's the class question is, is central to everything that we do because, again, you know, we've made it so that, you know, you got to have a college degree to, to achieve a- even any modicum of dignity in work mm-hmm. in this country, right? And, and you know, kids are leaving college with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Right, we can't have a system that prioritizes something like a college degree and makes it ridiculously hard to achieve, like impossibly hard to achieve for people who had the capabilities besides the financial component, right? Um, and we just need to um, always, always keep those issues central and understand what it's all about. Um, understand that it's about getting as many people to achieve what certain people want to call the American dream. Um, as many people as possible. Yeah, I want to say on this note, um, I'm sure you guys talked about it on Woke Bros, and we had similar discussions on TMBS, but on the June 4th, Majority Report was was a guest on a Michael Thursday. for a, It was a good long interview, and I think one of the best uh, I've ever heard between you two on these sorts of topics. So I would point people towards that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that, man. I mean, there's been some luminaries on the majority report, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
Was thank you so much, uh, you know, for everything over this past week and for coming on today. I know Michael had so much love for you, and I share that. Andy had so much fun with you. He <laughs> just loved hanging out with you. you know? Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. Um, <laughs> it's just so crazy. Like I always felt close to Mike. Um, you know, I considered him a friend. I thought he was a dear person, but you know, I had so much love and admiration for the things that he was trying to do. Um, and I was so blown away by his talent, you know, and I knew that we were friends, but it, you know, it never dawned on me that like, that, that Mike had, um, some outsized affinity for me. Right. But, you know, talking to people is just like, nah, Mike really fucked with what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, he fucked with you as a person. Um, he, you know, he fucked with your temperament, your approach to things like that's, that's very heartening and it's very touching, man. I, I feel very touched by you guys saying that. Really, I really do because you know it's not that I, I didn't consider him a dear friend of mine, but you know when you, I don't know, you kind of go through your life and the people in your life, you're you're rooting for them, you're cheering them on, you're you're clapping for their successes. You're and me anyway. That's how I am, and and mm. so you know I never really think I never really place myself in those things. Mm. You understand? Yeah. So yeah, it's hard yeah. for me to center myself in the things that Mike was doing. Um, but um, it's it's really dope to hear you guys say that. Um, and um, just just thank you guys. And I really love you guys. I swear to God, um, y'all are just uh, the most beautiful, amazing people. Um, and being being around you guys put me in the right spirit. I love y'all for that. For sure. Yeah, I love you too, boss. Love you too. Hope to see you soon. All right, later, y'all. See ya. Bye. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, Waz is a guy who uh, he's uh, he jokes about being a communist on a, in basketball podcasts, which is not you know a way for career advancement. So like, yeah, Waz is the best. Here, oh man, Waz like I remember hearing. Uh, True Hoop, he starts talking about like some yeah. NBA labor dispute, and it's like sure. finally somebody on a basketball podcast that's like you know willing to make jokes about being a communist and how the labor. players <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. He knows when a labor contract yeah. is. Uh, here's uh, Daniel Bessner. Oh, nice. Oh, it's Daniel. Um, you know, Daniel was coming on the show a lot recently, but has been doing a lot of work with us for the past mm -hmm. few years. International relations expert. Fun dude. Um, Danny, are you with us? We got his video, but not his video, audio. Daniel, yeah. How's it going? Nope. <laughs> That's always when sure. they don't see you first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, now we got his mic. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Hey, sorry. I was, I, was watching, I was just watching you talk to Waz, so I think that might have messed it up. No, no. Oh, good. Perfect. So happy for you to be joining us today. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, anything, anything I could do, really. It's you know, it's been a, a a rough week, a bizarre week. Still kind of in a daze, and sure, uh, you know, kind of hold up in L.A. You know, but uh, anything I could do <laughs> to, to uh, further Michael's uh, Michael's legacy, it's uh, happy to do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, this is sort of like a good space for you to jump in right now with any stories or reflections you'd like to to give to Michael. We've been talking a little bit about, you know, other things that we did, live shows and stuff like that. So I'd love hearing about y'all's relationship and sort of what you learned from him. No, 
Of course. Well, well, I mean, um, I, I, I met Michael. I think I had, uh, I published a book and, and he had agreed to interview me and, and he, he, uh, you know, started, you know, talking afterward. And, and I just found it was just so amazing how he really took an effort more than anyone that I really knew. Uh, you know, we were about the same age. He was a year older than me, but basically the same age. We we're kind of the old hands in this, you know, burgeoning socialist movement. And it was just uh, so few people, um, when you hit your mid thirties, like me and Michael were, uh, you know, you, um, he really made an effort to, to be friends. You know, it, it, as you get older, it's harder to be friends. And Michael was really the, one of the only people I know as an adult who, like, we would constantly text, we would call. And it was just so great to speak to someone who I thought came from, like, a similar background, you know, Northeast, Jewish, or, you know. Uh, and, huh? Ish. Jewish. <laughs> Jewish, yeah. Uh, and, and talk about, uh, all those things and have sort of a, a similar, you know, conversation about internationalism. And, and that's what I wrote about it for Jacobin, but just to reiterate here, I think that's what made him so unique is that he, he more than most people I knew, like really centered other, other people, not only not himself, but, you know, so much of our political discussion is focused on only on Americans. But Michael was someone who really, you know, took the histories and took the peoples of other places seriously. And he, and he, you know, read Franz Fanon or, Angela, Angela Davis is obviously an American, but you know, it was someone of a diff- different identity group. And he read Sankara and he read all of these people. And then I was just always impressed with the, his, the, the breadth and depth of his knowledge, you know, and it wasn't, you know, I'm a, I'm a professor and I'm paid to talk about this stuff. Uh, not, not well, but still paid, but Michael would always spend his, uh, his extra time doing some deep readings uh, and, and, you know, post-colonial theory or decolonial theory or, or, you know, anti-imperialist thought. And I was always just so impressed with how he was able to, you know, um, bring that knowledge to bear and make it entertaining. And, and he and I, you know, we, we had always, we always had these like little projects on the side. We were talking about expanding the illicit histories as David, I think, you know, and, uh, we were always talking about like th- thinking how we could do more activisty stuff in the world. And in just the last week of his life, we had really been talking every day about sort of expanding beyond the media stuff and trying to do more things concrete. And it was just, you know, um, it's just such a loss. It's hard to, it's hard to under, under emphasize or sorry, it's hard to overemphasize what a loss, um, what a loss it is. And, and it's just, uh, I was talking to Ben earlier today. It's not only a loss in our personal lives. Um, but it's just a, a void in this, in this left, in this movement that I don't see anyone set to fill. Um, and I, I mean, and, but then there's also sort of the personal side of, of, of him, of, you know, just hanging out every time we come to the city, we'd go out and we'd drink and we'd just bullshit. And he was so funny. Uh, and I loved his voices. And with, with me, he'd always do like his like stereotypical Jew voice. I can't even do it, but it was, it was really funny. And, <laughs> and it was just like hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just like, um, he was just so funny and, and not to canonize him as a person. He was so biting and, and witty and smart. But I think what brought it all together was that he was so good-hearted um, that he could like be a to a Ben Shapiro or a Dave Rubin or whomever it may be, and it, it just didn't take away from the fact that he really felt who he was—you know, a good-hearted, solid person. Um, and I'm just going—I miss him terribly already, and I'm just going to miss him uh, so much more. And I just don't see anyone taking up that internationalist mantle um, right now. And if, if anything good comes of this awful situation. It'll be to inspire us to both be more internationalists and especially what Michael is turning toward 
in the last few months of his life and which we would talk about all the time, which is the, the need to treat each other with kindness um, and, and to recognize that we are contributing to a common project that we want to achieve unless we do that. And I think that's a really important part of his legacy. I, I, and his style, of course. And his what? And his style. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm noticing the Adidas hoodie. Who is your inspiration? Yeah, an, an, an inspiration. I always found his style an inspiration. And the gold chain. I'm not that cool yet, but I can't pull that out. Like you my work life. your way up to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was so much fun, you know, having you on the show. And I remember sometimes just being so proud that we could go from, you know, dunking on a moron like Charlie Kirk and then to, you know, a quick illicit history on the CIA and the State Department and get really in-depth. Uh, I mean, that kind of uh, vocabulary that he had is something that I really envy and admired about him. Yeah, and I, I would always tell him, I'm like, I think, you know, in five, ten years, you're going to be huge. Like, you're going to, I think, really pull all of these strands together in a way that I don't think anyone was really situated to in, in quite the same way. And it's just, it's hard to over again, and I said that again, but it's just, it's such a, an enormous loss um, it's really, it's really terrible, and I, it hasn't fully hit me yet. And uh, I just hope that we're able to build on his legacy and, and really push the project forward. And I mean, when when he when he passed, I just wasn't expecting the sort of huge outcry. And it's so clear that he touched so many lives, thousands of lives, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives. And I just thank God we have this archive of all this, all these conversations and all this excellent work that he did. That you know, it could be a real you know, a real resource for people. And I know he would be, he'd be really happy about that, that it's going to last. It's going to be work that lasts. I mean, like the idea of getting illicit histories into classrooms, like that one piece alone would just be like so fucking awesome. I mean, there, there's, there's like a library we have now. Um, and it has not hit the bottomless, just complete and other destruction and despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, absolutely. it's kind of terrifying. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time. I hope to talk to you again soon. Love you, brother. Absolutely. Love you guys. Take it easy. Bye. What's up? All right, here's uh, Bosker. Perfect. There we go. Hey, Daniel's the man. Yeah. We have here... Uh, BSing with Bessner. BSing with Bessner. We have here a uh, you know, good friend, comrade, founder of Jacobin, Bashkar Sankara. Um, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to join us today. Of course, of course. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. And, you know, thank you to the whole TMBS family. I, I do feel like, I mean, I always felt this, this, this connection with you guys, but so much of it was because of the mutual trust built from, from Michael. He was the linchpin. And even though I didn't know everyone in his orbit that well, and many of them were acquaintances, it was the, you know, if, if they're fine with Michael. They must be good people. You know, you could trust them, you know, <laughs> time, you know, uh, I'm in a bind, you know, when I, when we were, you know, first brainstorming the, the Jacobin channel, whatever first person Michael told me to call was, was Matt, you know, first, yeah. it's like the constant, like just advocacy for, for friends in a way that, that was just, just great. You know, he would talk about how much Danny had been influencing his recent work. Um, on, you know, and, and you could kind of hear it this last weekend's, uh, uh, um, commentary that he did. You could kind of hear, mm-hmm. hear Danny's, 
uh, voice a little bit. And you could tell that he was just constantly in contact with people. He was constantly making everyone better and also making himself better in that, in that interaction. And, and, you know, he was just a great convener of people. And, and even on these shows, I mean, I would get into work. I would get in the office sometimes like 8 a.m. or something. Mm-hmm. I then walk over to the studio. Michael was always late for things and he was always disorganized, but somehow he would just start panicking if he didn't think I was going to be there at like six on the dot, even though like there was no reason for me to be there that, that early. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm just kind of walking in, you know, David handing me while, well, you know, recording, so we have to be quiet, handing me a warm IPA, me figuring out how to, how to open it you know, without making any noise. Um, like, I, I just liked everything about the experience so much so that you could just be talking with people or talking with Michael for hours on air. And then immediately after the thing that we would want to do is maybe go out and have a beer or just keep talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that takes a very special um, uh, person that he was building. Like, I just hate the word building community because it's a cliche and it's meaningless and it's used constantly. But he was building a community in, in the, the best sense of the word. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and also, all right, this is the strangest thought I had, but, you know, I talked a little bit about Michael last, last week. I don't know how, like, wanna, it's like one painful to keep saying the same, same things over and over again. And also, because we all have met the same person and his, mm-hmm. there was only one Michael, right? And that, yes. He, he meant basically the same thing to all his, his friends. He gave them the same, same love. Uh, his viewers tapped into his human character. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, if, if, you know, when other people go, sometimes they, they mean different things to different people at different stages of his life. But on Sunday, when I got a chance to talk to his friends from high school or whatnot, you could see the same thread, the same, same personality. But the thing that came to my mind was, you know, out of political figures, I think Michael has something in common with both two of his heroes, Tony, Ben, and Hugo Chavez, and, and this. Totally Hugo Chavez, yeah. Wait, in, in that they radicalized in power. They moved left in power. And I know in power is a weird thing to say about a broadcaster, but I really think he was at his peak, not just in terms of his ability, his command of his craft, but in terms of his, his reach, which was really growing exponentially. You know, after years of struggling of hustling, of working his ass off, you know, including bouts of like you know, huge financial insecurity and, and, and whatever, whatever else, you know, he was, it was all starting to, to, to pay off. It was all going the right direction for him. And also because of his personal charm, you know, he was really widely liked across the left, you know, occasionally in the past week, someone would put out a tweet or drop a tribute to Michael, which would be very nice, but I knew it would be someone that he had some mild criticisms of in like a funny way. And I would th- think about his reply in his right-wing Mandela voice, which I can't do, but the kind of, yes, but he's still a cuck, you know, but a right-wing Mandela voice. Um, but, but it was all genuine, you know, because he fostered those ties even with people he disagreed with. But in other words, instead of trying to be some catch-all spokesperson for the left, someone who meant all things to all people, you know, he was in the, the process of really rigorously defining his politics. You know, he wanted to call out the excesses of identitarian politics. He wanted a left focus on the labor movement. He wanted to learn from winning movements that took state power, like the ANC in South Africa, like the PK in Brazil. But he wasn't an idiot. He knew the flaws of all these different movements. But the reason why he wanted us to focus on them is because he wanted to create a winning left. So in other words, he didn't want to be the king of a subculture. He wanted to be a small part of a large, dynamic, winning, you know, movement. Yeah, and totally. 
I don't know. I, I just can't think of another person who, at the peak of their popularity and success, if, if he, you know, he was toning it up, not trying to just broaden his his appeal in such a way that it would be the path of least least resistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Oh, I was just going to say that you know, this past few months, obviously, you know, losing the the Bernie Sanders election, you know, a lot of people like Michael was. Michael wanted to win. I think you you hitting on that is perfect. Like he really wanted to win and he started doing a lot of criticism over the past um, few months, but it was all about, you know, we need to learn from movements that win and not just cheerlead ourselves back into obscurity. Like he was really worried that, you know, without a national politician like Bernie Sanders, that we were just going to take small victories and be happy with that. He was really always trying to, you know, push, push us forward in that way, but doing it in a really positive way where like, there's a lot of people who, when they are critical of the left and left movements, it's all negative all the time. But Michael was, you know, as we were saying earlier, building community was always trying to make us learn, but was just not somebody who was just going to sit and accept, you know, the small kind of symbolic victories that some other people, you know, are want to do as well. I also think that, you know, it just has to be mentioned and said he was Oh, like it's, you, someone mentioned this this week on one of the tributes. It might, it might have been you, David, but it, it was like already thinking about like you know he was thinking about what went wrong in the campaign, the Sanders campaign. He was thinking about what he did wrong in advocating for the Sanders campaign, and like even on Sunday night when we spoke, we were talking about the protests and, he, and like what needs to come next, and like you know as soon as you know as when the protests are exhausted and they know this move and it kind of just becomes like the pageantry of the protests and no one's actually is, they're not feeling that pressure any longer or whatever happens. He was already like really thinking about how like okay we have this energy we have this movement how do we not just let this like plateau or like do we lock into this thing and you know he was just constantly just trying to like truly figure out how to make sure everyone had food housing medicine and dignity Uh that was it like that was the goal like he's funny as fuck brilliant could go head to toe with any intellectual but fundamentally that was the purpose Exactly. And uh, before before you head off, Bashkar, I just wanted to, to share this. I'm sure that you would agree with me that I think Michael would have got a real kick out of Peter Dow um, tweeting out of memorial for Michael Brooks. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he believed in redemption, I guess. But the Dow thing happened real quick. He went from being so bad to so good that I'm, I'm suspicious. I just, I'm not saying anything about him until I see where this boomerangs out, where, you know, where, where he ends up. But... Um, but yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll obviously try our best to continue uh, his work. I mean, almost every day since since the news hit, I wanted to like text him something. Like I finally got this book in the mail, um, a brief history of, of seven killings, which was I, yeah. I, I ordered weeks ago at his recommendation. <laughs> cheap, so I did the Amazon marketplace like buy used, and it arrived sometime in the next two two months. Um, and you know, there's just like. There's so much there in the illicit histories. There, there's such a huge archive. Like I actually noticed, uh, I must have missed it at the time. He did a illicit history on on Jamaica uh, already. Probably one of the early ones. There's just so much he produced in such a short um, amount of time. And and again, he had been in this for a while. He started majority for it, I guess, 2012, 2013, something like that. But the actual like height of TMBS has just been the last. Um, couple years, so I don't know if we could all do it at the same exact speed as as Michael, but I'm really glad that all of you are are still in the fight and are still gonna 
uh, you know, continue on in some uh, in some form. And I'm really looking forward to what you all are able to to produce. Like, obviously, uh, we all have varied talents, varied interests, or, or whatnot. I won't quite be the same, but there's a, a lot there uh, that I, that I know uh, you three especially can can contribute. And and Michael knew that, and that's why you know he was. Um, the biggest advocates of his his friends and, and collaborators, and, and he loved his family. I, I used to joke with him that he was like a good brown boy, the way especially he would talk about his mother and wanting to, you know, the first little bit of money he, he got, he wanted to just give back to his his family. And I'm like, that's my mentality. That's some like, immigrant shit. You know, this is, uh, like, who is this guy? Um, so anyway, that's all I got to say. And and also, like, all the love from the people who, who uh, just have spent all this time with him, but never met him in, in person. You know, he was deeply, deeply appreciative of everyone who watched, watched, uh, you know, the, the show and, and participate in the discord and whatever, whatever else. So, I mean, that's the thing that makes it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. He would remind me in the overtimes to be nice when bad questions came in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. not, not even in like the market way. Like I want to protect this $5 a month, but just in the, like, this is my like family basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For but, sure. Uh, well, Bashar, thank you so much right. for coming on. I really appreciate it. See you, Bosco. Talk to you soon. I think um, Against the Web is going to be number one on these lists, and then Seven Killings is about to. I know. It seems like that. You love that book. Yeah, that was back in the Two Dope Boys era when we were uh, yeah, yeah. talking about that. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Here's, uh, let's see, who we got up next? We got uh, Vic and Forrest. Let's yeah, are they ready? Oh, beautiful. Yep. yep. All well, right. all right. So we have uh, right now uh, Vic hey, Viana, Comrade Vic. And let me see if uh, Force, I think, is coming in. Uh, uh, Vic has been doing so much wonderful work with us. Uh, you know, he's producing all these illicit histories. He's also been a guest on the show a couple times. Yeah. I'm really so happy to see your face, friend. No, yeah, it's good to see you guys. I mean, you know, despite, you know, it's good to see you guys. Uh, even, you know, unfortunately, it's got to be these circumstances. But, you know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it comes and goes. But. And uh, let me also just introduce everybody to someone whose work you've seen almost daily is uh, our friend Forrest, who is our video editor and producer. Um, how's it going? Yeah, how's it going? Forrest? I'm so happy that you're here with us. Forrest has been working overtime last week. Yeah, I mean, just crushing it with some compilations you'll see soon. So thanks for that, Forrest. Yeah, tonight, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, later tonight. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, I guess I'll, I'll start with Vic and then we'll go to Forrest. But, you know, maybe you could take a moment to, you know, sort of talk about, you know, either your friendship with Michael or how you came to meet him and work with us. Yeah, so I had actually um, just about a year and a half ago, a little bit more than that, I reached out to him um, online, you know, kind of I was in a spot, you know, in my career where I was kind of burnt out from working for like bigger media organizations and kind of all the BS that that entails. So I was reached out saying, Hey, you know, I'm curious what it's like on the independent media side of things. I really love, you know, the way you cover foreign policy. And I've been listening to TMBS for like a year at that point. Um, and, you know, so we met up at this like South African restaurant down the block from his house. Uh, he was a little late, you know, um, I'm hearing that that's a, that's a regular thing. Um, and so, you know, we were kind of talking, talking about different, you know, left media things, what's going on, where we thought things were going. Um, and then as we were wrapping up, he was like, you know, okay, but 
you know, how, how can I help you? You know? And, and I just, you know, it's kind of, we, we it didn't, you know, the start of that conversation was not me, you know, trying to get some help or ingratiate myself. He was just so, you know, we kind of clicked and he was like, look, I, you know, how can I help you out? And I was, you know, so then we kind of started talking from there and that's kind of how the genesis of the uh, illicit history videos kind of came about mm-hmm. um, was kind of just seeing there like where we could kind of synthesize and, you know, kind of elevate the work that he had already been doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then part of that conversation too, I had kind of said, Oh, well, you know, I've also kind of thought about, you know, I'm mostly a behind the scenes kind of person, but, you know, I'm kind of curious about getting in front of the, uh, the mic maybe, or the camera. And he was like, immediately like, Oh, well, come on the show, man. Like come hang out in the studio, you know? So he just really like, and from hearing a lot of these tributes, like he, it seems like he really, anytime he saw sort of not even potential, but, Oh, you're someone on the left who's trying to do this work. Like, here's what you can do and I'm going to help you. And, you know, he had no obligation, you know, he was so willing to like share his platform with people and, you know, um, really just grow it's almost like he was using media and his platform to like organize you know more left media you know and kind of plant seeds and and you know all all that and i just i really value you know all all that no absolutely i mean you know he he really he took in so many people you know myself included and uh it's amazing to hear uh that that's you know wasn't a one-off actually that he was constantly building this um so I also wanted to, you know, bring in Forrest here too, because I know that you have a nice story about meeting Michael and him, you know. Yeah. Mine was like some shit you'd meet, see in like a biopic or something. <laughs> oh. Like, you'd be like, oh, like this didn't happen. I was, so I got out of college and I was like a fan of the majority report. Like I was just watching the videos, like messing around. I think the first one I watched was like, I'd wa- I just saw it again the other day. The one where Sam took down uh, Joe Rogan for like right wing, like platforming right wing people. Mm-hmm. And, I was I was just out of college and I realized like they don't care if you're like just out of college like they want work experience so I was going to like contacting pretty much every media company and like nobody wanted someone fresh out of college that had no work experience so one day because I live up in New Paltz like upstate so one day I took a like the one place that wanted like somebody to talk to them in an interview was like it was like an unpaid internship in a in like a documentary hall, like a community TV hall. And mm-hmm. it went really badly. And I remember thinking like, they don't even want my like unpaid labor. Oh. Like I can't even give away, I can't even give away my skills. <laughs> that was, but it was like in downtown Brooklyn. So I went uh, afterwards just to get some food because I had been up like so early in the morning to leave mm-hmm. for the city. And Michael was just standing outside of like Trader Joe's. And I don't know, like I never really talk to people that I like see that I'm like, I recognize this person from somewhere and then I realized it was majority report. And mm-hmm. we didn't even talk about like editing or anything. We just like had a random conversation with me about like you know, like what I was doing and like why I was in Brooklyn and I don't know, it was just like it felt like a like an instant connection. And then he like said goodbye to me before he left and I messaged the account later and I was like, Oh, by the way, like I forgot to mention, like I'm a video editor if you ever need any help with that. And like a week later, he responded to me from like his own account, and he was like, "He was like, oh, you're you're a video editor, right? Like we met at that at that uh, Trader Joe's." And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, yeah. "Want to come down to Majority Report Studios for a night and like see what we do, and then maybe like I have some editing work for you. We're gonna launch a channel." It was just it was so out of random, and it was something that I needed so badly at that moment, and it always felt like almost like a miracle because I was really like I don't know I was broke, I was so close to just like giving up and like 
working in a kitchen again or something, like not trying to pursue this. And like, mm-hmm. it was just in that moment, like it was like perfect, the perfect synthesis, I guess. And, you know, so it's been so nice working with you both, you know, um, especially doing stuff with this YouTube channel because it's constantly in communication, um, especially, I'm sure Vic, Vic was doing it a little bit before I did and, and as of course, you know, and, you know, it was, it was a really nice thing that, um, to, you know, to just sort of constantly be in, in collaboration. You know, sometimes it wasn't when you got a late night text, but Michael was always working. Like that's one thing I've been realizing more and more yeah. is that, uh, he was just constantly on and, and moving the, the project forward because he really believed in what he was doing, but he also, you know, believed in the team around him too, that he trusted everybody, uh, you know, to create so much, uh, in, incredible work. And, you know, we, we would not be where we are. Um, with the show without both your work, Vic, and, and Forrest's, you know, so we really, really appreciate that. And I don't know if, um, if, if you all have any more sort of memories you want to share with Michael, I know there's the work, but also, uh, you know, just sort of how you want to been remembering him in this past week. I'd also really appreciate, you know, you all having space to share that now too. Yeah. I mean, um, one thing about Michael too, that, uh, you know, some people have said is that he was just, he was such a competent guy, but unlike a lot of, you know, people who can have a big ego or whatever, he like would make space for other people and like fully encouraged everyone to be competent and have a big ego. And, you know, I, back at the um, February show, you know, I uh, was able to introduce him to my partner and like, I made some self-deprecating joke in the process of introducing them. And then Michael's just like, Oh, this guy, like he can make things, but he can't sell. <laughs> um, and he just totally <laughs> teased me, you know, uh, and the, you know, and, and it just, you know, he would never like, whenever I would, you know, kind of go down that self-deprecating rap, he just always like, no, come on, man. Like, mm-hmm. that's bullshit. <laughs> um, so he just really, you know, his like no bullshit attitude, like extended towards like, you know, building people up. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really value that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of these qualities we're going to have to just, you know, make sure to cultivate and, 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 you know, find in ourselves because it seems like that's the one thing that's getting through to everyone and, and connecting everyone. It's just, it's the humanity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anything else you want to add Forrest? No. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was like so nice how he would check in on everyone like with the quarantine and everything like I'd get like a daily like before he asked any questions about work or anything he'd be like how's it going like you know like is your family good because he been both both my parents it shows mm-hmm. and I don't know it was just like such a nice thing and one of the last like texts he sent or one of the last text conversations I don't remember what we were even talking about we were talking about like traveling or something like just like the idea of it after this like after the the quarantine is over like because I said I wanted to go to South Carolina and he wanted to go get back to traveling like everywhere else and he sent me that uh the, the tony blair documentary where it's like his life post-presidency or whatever like post-prime ministership or whatever and he was like he was like that's the goal and it was like <laughs> the, the really <laughs> tony blair like like spending state money on <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny one time he uh he told me that if he was ever going to go like the evil route it would be tony blair yeah he yeah. had something yeah. with tony blair it was like there's some strange affinity there i don't want to get too deep into it but <laughs> yeah tony's name was mentioned off many a time actually yeah um. <laughs> Well, you know, Forrest and, and Vic, you know, y'all have been such a, a big part of this project. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy, 
you know, to say that we're going to work as far as we can to continue that work and make sure that that goes forward. I know that there is a, an illicit history already sort of locked and ready to go uh, for some people that will try to release sometime in the near future. And, you know, thank you all both for, you know, taking a little bit of time with us tonight and, and uh, for everything you've done for, for us and, and for our friend Michael. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Love you guys. I love you all. Peace. Peace, man. Are we all good, Matt? Uh, yes, we are. I believe. Um, let me. I'm going to profile you, make you the okay. spotlight because I need to change the name again real quick, and it's yeah, an email no address this time. So, yeah, I believe this is David Slavic. Oh, wonderful! Change. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, coming up next is uh, David Slavic, a <laughs> good friend of the show, somebody who people always confuse us for each other. <laughs> Um, but he was really instrumental, especially <laughs> at the beginning of the show yeah. off the ground. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thanks for, for joining us this evening. Yeah. It's it's really a, been a, one of the great pleasures of my life. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned from this project is that get involved because you, you don't know where it's going to lead. Um, I remember first talking to Michael. I was on my deck in D.C. Trump had just got elected. He had been talking about starting his own show. He was a little reluctant at the time, which is interesting because everybody knows as Michael is a confident person. And I, I know, I know you know this, and, and we all know that he is. And, and Leisha, you know this as well. But deep down, Michael is was vulnerable, and I think that Very, that's what yeah. made his project so powerful. Yeah. Is that he was able to engage that vulnerability and then make it and weaponize it. Towards a towards a strength. Um, one of the things that I realized over the course of the process of, of going through, you know, helping start the show and then and seeing it grow into what it is today, and seeing you all here today taking it into a next iteration, is that you know, find those new people in your life where you're along a journey and 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 go with them because you you don't know where it's going to take you and you and you don't know what it's going to bring you. Um, I can say this like wholeheartedly that. Uh, Michael, you know, he, he helped me grow out of a, a tough situation. I was in Washington, D.C. I wasn't happy. Um, I was working in, in some, you know, sort of centrist think tank type environments. Um, but I was a lefty. Um, you know, I was always trying to find the project that was like on the left that was in these in this environment. Uh, and he said, well, why don't you just become and be a lefty? And I, and I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I met my wife through the show. You know, I have two children because of that. Um, and you know all those types of things are are the things that happen be- when you take those chances. Um, I really recommend that everyone sort of take Michael's lesson and say like, focus on your vulnerability, focus on what you want to grow from, and then go and do it, and find those people and and make that team around you that'll make it possible. Um, I know that uh, you know when uh, David and Matt and I we all we all talked this week and. It just, you know, it was it was very hard, you know. Like I haven't actually met David in person. I, I met Matt in person, of course, and I and at least I haven't met you, but I've had Michael talk about you. Uh, heard t- Michael talk about you for for many times, but um, you know, it really is about making that community around you. And I know that in you know in our Discord channels and in the YouTube chats and on Twitter, we have this whole environment, this whole you know garden of people who have grown out from this. Who have become better people, become better leftists, and become better citizens, and and made made the world that they want to see around them. And I think that this is the project that does that. So, what one thing that we could take, you know, as the show moves forward and as we all move forward, is to understand that it Michael is Michael's not gone. Michael's in us, and you know that's what's going to push us forward. And that's that's the just think about what would Michael do. And I know that yeah. seems silly, but it's true. 
This is true. But, I don't think it's silly. I think I, I wanted to add, David, uh, you know, that Michael always did get a kick that you met your wife through the show. <laughs> First awesome. TMBS babies. It's like I'm, people are building their careers. People are falling in love. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's really one of those things that's, you know, it's funny. It's a lot of, I've met a lot of different people. I just talked to Gene Bajalon, friend of the show today. I talked to Corey, oh, yeah. uh, Corey Pine today, a uh, friend of the show. I talked to uh, Rich Jensen, who's a, you know, I think a Seattle mm-hmm. legend through the show, um, booked him on another show that my, my friend is working on. Um, you know, just the, the number of people that we know and the, and the things that have grown out of that, that sort of tapestry of connection is something that like you have to bring to every day. And Michael was always doing that. He was reaching out to people. He was doing those things. He was making those connections. And I think that some of them were formal. Some of them were informal. Some of it was casual. Some of it was just friendly. But as we've heard from everyone here, from Bashkar, from Waz, from everyone, it's just that believing in people and then letting people know that you like what they're doing, that could be all that all that's needed to make people push forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for Absolutely. taking a little time to join us tonight. Yeah. Uh, say, you know, give my love to Heidi and, and yeah. uh, congratulations on the two little ones. Absolutely. Take care, everyone. Nice See you, David. You. See you. <laughs> so good seeing David's face, honestly. Yeah. So, do uh, we have our... we have Joshua Khan Russell Joshua. going to join us here? Yeah, who yeah, did such a great job with the words. Also, before while he joins us, I want to uh, shout out David for taking lead on the statement uh, on Tuesday about a week ago. Um, we worked on that together, but David really did a great job on that. So, just wanted to shout you out for that, man. Thanks, man. It meant a lot. And we're joined by someone who most of y'all already know, good friend, uh, brother, uh, Joshua Con Russell. How are you doing, Joshua? <sighs> hey, guys. Hey. What a nourishing show this has been to watch. <sighs> um, I just want to start by building on actually where Waz started by um, acknowledging you, um, Matt, David, and, and Leisha, that... Um, you know, y'all have been the backbone of this project, David and Matt as of, of, of TMBS and Leisha as a backbone of Michael's life, obviously. And the strength that it takes um, to navigate how public of an experience this last week has been um, and hold together a community of tens and hundreds of thousands uh, who are in shock right now um, is tremendous. And that um, part of what we're doing is not just honoring Michael, but but co-creating a public grief ritual. And um, wow, yeah. you guys are doing just such a good job honoring Michael. And I just want to thank you for really doing right by him. Mm-hmm. Thank you right so much, Joshua. You. Thank you for everything yeah. that you've done, too. It's really meant so much to all of us. Yeah. 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 I mean... Can I share some... Oh, yeah. No, you yeah, no, I was just going to open it up to you to share whatever you were ready. Yeah. I, I have some disconnected thoughts, but... One thing I just want to want to share first is that um, I've been leaving little notes around my room of advice that I've gotten from Michael to remind myself. And one of them uh, that's on my bedroom door just says, do more push-ups. <laughs> and um, he always would tell me to do more push-ups. And um, through my, through my uh, process this week, anytime I felt like emotionally stuck, uh, that's what I would do, and I would always immediately feel a little bit better. And so that that's like one way that I think calling back on him to 
help me through grieving him. <laughs> um, I was also, um, I'm going to pull it up last night, scrolling through just like all like texts, you know, um, which was a little bit of self torture, but deeply, um, fun <laughs> too. Uh, and I found one that I wanted to share, which was from February, 2019, which he texted me, uh, in the middle of the night. And he said, uh, man, I'm a touch tipsy and exhausted. So I'll just say two things. Bernie needs to win and I should be number one in the game. <laughs> Absolutely. And those are two of the worst fucking tragedies of the world that that, that didn't come to pass. Totally. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I just started cracking up. And, and it is a tragedy. But also he was number one in the game. Um, yes. And I, I want to appreciate for a minute Michael's ego because um, it regularly just floored me. Um, <laughs> there was a time on the show when um, I complimented him and then um, paused and went to go um, actually extend, I can't remember what I was saying, but extend it to David and Matt. And then he quickly turned it back on himself. And he was like, he's like, well, when Jordan's on the court, everybody's got to pay attention to Jordan, right? And I thought it was just so funny and so audacious. And there was just such a real truth to it. There was just a real truth to his confidence. And, um, you know, egos can be a complicated engine. Um, and I would struggle with his ego at times um, because he could get stuck in himself, uh, which which was something that I really related to. But it shifted uh, in a deep way my understanding of personal ambition and personal greatness, um, and, and um, which is something that the social movement world that I'm a part of um, is deeply suspicious of, uh, and I was trained to be suspicious of. And, you know, there's some good reason for that, but he also taught me that that posture is what keeps us small. It's what keeps the left afraid of its own power. It's what keeps us from winning. It's what keeps us from really imagining what it would be like to really lead society, let alone doing the actual messy work required to make it happen. Um, and in that process, um, what he really taught me more than anything else uh, was to release shame, shame around my own ambitions, shame around, um, you know, like he encouraged me to be bigger, um, to talk more, to own my role, uh, to break the taboos that are the barriers to the new world that's yearning to be born. Um, and I sit in gratitude to him for that. And my sense is that he did that for many people, um, including people who he had never met directly, of inspiring them to, um, if not live up to their own greatness, to to give themselves permission to try, you know? Yeah. Um, and... I want to admit something, which is that I, I've been deeply ambivalent about media work my whole life, my whole arc as an organizer. Um, and in many ways, the, the like online left, like YouTube sphere <laughs> is very foreign to me. Um, and in other ways, the culture of the show was very foreign to me. Um, and it, 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 it feels like a different universe than some of the movements that I come out of. And Michael was a bridge for me. Uh, and I was also a bridge for Michael. And we were constantly working on each other from these two different kind of ends. Um, and in the TMVS sphere, he always went out of his way 
to tell me that I belonged here, that I was part of the team. Um, that my that my particular interests were not just chan- tangential to the project, that they that they were threaded through it, and sometimes I really doubted that, um, you know. And I never told him that explicitly, but he could he could sense it that whenever I'd get into this kind of like self imposed outsider posture or new kid kind of <laughs> posture, he 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 pushed me to just like stop getting in my own way, you know, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, Matt, I know you're not on the screen, but that you're listening. Um, it was. I, I want to also admit in in the show prep email that you sent when you suggested that we, um, you know, share a little bit about our take on the future of the project in his absence. I was like super intimidated. I was like, who am I to say publicly? <laughs> what should happen with this platform on air so soon you know i was like don't we need to have like 10 meetings about that first which obviously would not have been michael's style no no time no time exactly and so then after i got that email i centered in my body and i knew exactly what he would want me to do um it was it was totally clear and um he would say he didn't build this platform for it to not be used as a vehicle for change. He wouldn't want it to die on the vine. And yeah, he was he was central to it. And um, I appreciate what you were saying earlier, David, which was he was cultivating everyone in this community to hold the space together, which is what, oh, just as a quick tangent, that's what great leaders do is they build everyone else up around them, but not at the expense of their own greatness. And in the organizing spaces that I come from, we often get the former part. We're always about lifting up other people's leadership, but but never want to hold space ourselves. And mm. he was doing both at the same time. There wasn't a contradiction there. And um, he, he would want me to lean into this moment and be distinct about my piece of the puzzle, which was different than other people's pieces. And and when deep visionaries die, there's an opening where people dream into the space of where it could have gone. And there's a, that's a sacred generative process. And I'm grateful to everyone who's doing that, especially you, Lucia, because um, I know that's a thing that you've been really holding in the last week. And, and so this is where Michael and I were headed together. Um, he wanted me to do more work with him on the real, the real big picture, um, which is that we are at war. We are at war. And yes, it is a class war. Um, and the mechanics of the struggle between labor and capital are the foundation of the terrain that we are on. And the way that his project was focused on helping the left recover that is central obviously. And there's a real, there, there, there's a war that's much bigger than that going on. And it is a war between a culture of death that has built a machinery that has brought every living system on the planets to the brink of crisis or collapse. And when he and I would talk about love and empathy, it was because those are the fundamental practical tools in this war. And that the real big picture is nature. And not nature as some disconnected green anarchist, blah, blah, blah. Not some romantic whatever. Human beings are a part of nature. And if you care about human beings, you need to locate ourselves 
in understanding that not only are we a part of nature, but that how in this time of transition, we are actually being asked to relearn how to be human together because this system has robbed us of that humanity. And that's the culture that Michael would rail against, right? It, 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 it's, and so the political turbulence that we are experiencing right now, which is just the surface manifestation of the, of, of, of the crisis, um, is not temporary. This is a multi-generational process that we're in. And we need to locate ourselves in the historical trajectory of the species. And that in that is the synthesis of the material and the energetic. And Michael and I would talk about a number of syntheses. Um, one, one was Machiavellian spirituality, which was, was his word. I, I never actually loved that term. Um, but, uh, it was, it was, it was materialist anti-racism. It was trauma informed personal developments. It was compassion and the way that movements make meaning in people's lives and the wisdoms beyond just the rational. We, and we would talk about, you know, the C.S. Lewis quote, um, which is, you know, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so part of what I want to contribute to the project Actually, I want to I want to actually admit another vulnerable thing out loud, which is he always <laughs> he would he'd have the funniest shit to say right now. He'd yeah, be acknowledging what, what you, you and right you would also be just making so much fun of you at the same time. Oh, totally. And I, it's killing me that he can't be doing <laughs> both right now. I loved how he teased me about how I'm fucking caricature of myself. Oh. <laughs> you know he'd be going hard right now, and he totally. would be saying, "Yes, Joshua, I love you. This is perfect." J- Joshua's also sort of the the complete antithesis of r- the right wing Mandela character. So, I like know, him saying, "Like Joshua." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I loved how he got me to stop taking myself so seriously. Oh, he would be teasing you. Uh, he'd be teasing and me. that balance. Yeah. Well, and because uh, like I mean, what I learned from him was that like. That's how we take the work seriously, is yeah, by that, not taking ourselves so seriously. Yes, exactly. You know, and I'm totally guilty of that. And like, I love, you know, the, I've, I've never had a, a friend who teases me like he did. <laughs> um, but what, so one thing that he pushed me on that, um, that I wasn't going to share, but I will, uh, because then I have to do it if I say it on air, which is that he always wanted me to speak more directly to visionary plant medicines and to the reciprocity of ceremony and the cultures that are stewards of them. And I um, was very cautious and delicate about how I wanted to talk about that publicly. And he and I were just talking about like literally this month, I was like, okay, I'm starting to get ready, but like I have my own boundaries and I need to like, I need the show to go a certain way in order to be able to do this well, because it's because the way that like, people on podcasts especially youtube talk about dmt and whatever is to me ridiculous and um we wanted to talk about the dialectics of psychedelics you know and um and so i i want to say out loud that i am ready for that awesome um and i'll share one other contradiction of vision and then and then share gratitude and and maybe be done uh but um here here's Here's another contradiction we talked about the, uh, around vision and where we needed to go, which is there's two quotes that are kind of cliches in my organizer circles um, that I like to juxtapose, juxtapose. 
Um, one is the Spanish poet Antonio Machado, who said, um, there is no road. We make the road by walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is a George Harrison quote, which is, if you don't know where you're going, <laughs> any road will get you there. <laughs> and that's another synthesis that, that we, we leaned into a lot, that we need to both be students of our context, um, non-dogmatic, um, but still be anchored by a North Star, you know, yeah. so that, that, that we can keep our eyes on the prize. And um, one, one hard part about mourning is, is grieving what could have been, you know, because yeah. he was just getting started. And yeah. he and I were just getting started together, you know, and um, and I am I just want to say that I'm trying to center in being grateful for the time that we had um, and that it's OK that it ended where it did. It's OK. You know, yeah, like the world hard didn't, to accept. Yeah. I, I hear you saying that, but it's mm-hmm. it does not feel OK yet. I, I get I get what yeah. you're, you're trying to say, but I, I nothing about this feels OK. Yeah, to be clear what I mean by that. No, I, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it just, it, it's going to take a long time to accept being Yeah, it's going to take a lot of You know, it is okay, cosmically, sure, but it, it might take my entire lifetime on this realm to accept that. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah. Me too. And that, that it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's okay that it's not okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is kind of and very that, into Bill Clinton depends on the definition of is, is territory. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but it's, um, it's, I think we all are on the same page. Yeah. But I think it's important to be there with the processing of it because, like, you know, um, in terms of the project, like, you know, part of Michael's perspective was that you can accept reality and orient to it or you can fight it. And that Michael's passing is something that um, through learning about how to embrace the tragedy uh, and the heartbreak of it, which may not be fair or right, uh, but to accept that it is what it is and that, that, that we may be doing lifetimes of work to, to get presence to that, um, that Michael wanted us to sit with what is. And so, um, so to me, the lesson I take from that is to be to like appreciate what I had with him and that no matter, you know, like that gratitude is a tool to dig yourself out of anything emotionally. And so I'm and, and, and so the more that I can sit in gratitude, the more it brings ease to my disbelief, which mm-hmm. which is just like. You know, I've I've been I've been in and out of all week, and obviously, you know, morning is different for everyone, but non-linear um, in general. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so, one practice that I'm trying to do is every morning um, uh, write a list of things that I'm grateful for mm-hmm. from Michael that morning, um, and including you know, like and just the way that he supported my work off the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that he supported the wildfire project, I mean, a week before he passed, he, he donated $600 to the wildfire project. Mm-hmm. Like he, it was, it was, we, was, we were he directly was serious about his actions. Like it, there was no, mm-hmm. there was no, no BS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Joshua, I think that there, there's about like a 10 part series of <laughs> all of this, you know, like mm-hmm. there's so much 
which we that we're going to have to discuss and delve into. And definitely, um, one thing that's helping me is that are you public on social media? Only on Instagram. Okay, the music you've been sharing that you think um, mm-hmm. Michael would have enjoyed, I think that's that's definitely helping me, and I would imagine it's helping a lot of people too. Just mm-hmm. process this. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll um, okay, so. On the weekend show on Saturday, I talked mm-hmm. about the relationship between music and spirit and how movement music is praise music because the songs we sing in the streets and workshops call us into a collective yearning and shared vision of how we can be together as well as processing our pain and trauma and kind of like spitting out the poison of of the injustice of, of the world and in the injustice of Michael's death uh, in this moment. And um, And so there's a song that actually wants to come out uh, right now, and uh, I'm not a singer, but um, uh, it's a it, it's song we sing in wildfire to um, celebrate living because because Michael is is dead and he would want us to live uh, out loud on purpose with precision mm-hmm. with openness, um, and so um, I would like to sing a song to Michael <laughs> right now. <clears throat> If you'll let me, I'm going to drink. Some I will. Water. I will. I'm. I'm touched, but I'm also. You know, we have to acknowledge that Michael would be cracking up. Oh, he would be like. He'd be making me really, yeah. about this. That's why I'm doing it. Okay. Okay. I think it's okay. What do you think, Matt? <laughs> oh, let's do it. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. I'm gonna let life move me. I'm gonna let life stir me deep. I'm gonna let life wake me from an ancient sleep. I'm gonna laugh all my laughter. I'm gonna cry all my tears. I'm gonna love the rain as deeply as the sun when it clears. The sun when it clears. The sun when it clears. Thank you so much, Joshua. (laughs) I feel compelled to point out that uh, David also, if you go into David's Instagram, he wrote, he uh, played, uh, I didn't know you could play and sing at the same time. Very talented, David. Uh Uh-oh, soccer, singing. (laughs) Really hoping you would do that on the show. Uh, I have it. It's a, if people want to listen to it, it, I put it up on my my Instagram. It's an old, it's just an old cowboy campfire song that oh, it made me think of Michael. That's beautiful. It really brought me to tears, and it, it David, it just really helped me in 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 the moment that I clicked on it. There was like something that wanted to come out, and your the like soulful voice that came out of you um, just deeply resonated in oh. in my heart. So thank, thank you for. Thank you for being out you. there. In the same to you, Thank that you, was Joshua. so beautiful, Joshua. Yeah. We're going to have many more conversations in the future. On oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Joshua. Appreciate you Much guys. Love, love it's you. Been such a yeah. blessing having Talk you. Talk to you soon, man. Love you, mm-hmm. Joshua. Yeah. So, uh, Alicia, I think you might be best to introduce. Susan's introduce up next. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Susan um, Green is going to definitely probably change how I've introduced her when she comes on, but she worked with Michael um, it just as an advisor. And, uh, 
Hey, Susan, you, you actually, uh, your audio's on, and I think you might need to close out the YouTube. I'll turn off the, um, I was watching the show. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Now we're just, we're waiting for your, your video. Start video. There we go. You see on the right hand. Perfect. There she is. So Susan um, worked very closely with Michael as an advisor, and um, I don't want to, you know, energy worker. Would you say that's appropriate, Susan? I don't want to um, use language that you think is a little bit of an eye roll. But Susan was who was helping Michael strategize his career and integrate all of this spirituality and um, kind of bigger, bigger life stuff that you know is becoming every day a bigger, bigger part of the show. Yeah. Um, please, you know, I just want to give you the floor to, to share, Susan. Yes, well, thank you. I've been watching this, the live stream, is that what it's called, the whole time. And, it, you know, it's so moving, and it's just it's just been such a horrible week. I just can't even. And um, and But it's also been an amazing week, you know. It's been incredible to just hear how many people all over the world felt they knew Michael. You know, it's... I know everyone's been talking about this, and I have to say it too, you know. The lives that he touched, it's just extraordinary. And, you know, for me, I'm so honored that I got to play this pretty major, although somewhat secret role in the background of his life. And it's so interesting that as he was coming out more and more as a spiritual seeker, and I really don't like that word, he was saying to me, you know, I, I, I want to bring you on the show. I want more and more people to know about this work. And we were just kind of starting to try that out and see how it felt. And then, bingo, he was gone. And so here we are all now, strategizing and visioning and working to keep the legacy alive. And I just want to say, you know, to you guys, to Lisha, you have been amazing this week. Amazing. Lisha has been a freaking force of nature yes. off the charts. I'm so sorry that I couldn't come to Massachusetts on Sunday in person and be with all of you. And I'm just really glad that at least I get to be here in this way tonight. So what would you like me what would you like me to talk about with Michael? What shall we out about I, I, our I beloved boy? I guess um because you know, you guys have recorded an interview I believe last week. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, or the week before. Um, right before, yeah. 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 I guess I just, you know, because you spoke so often about how to kind of like bridge these worlds and how to grow this audience, I, I just kind of was curious if you, you know, you could kind of share just a quick, if it's possible, sort of just share with the audience about how these two things can be merged. I know a lot of people are listening that are atheists and aren't into any of this stuff and it's like we've definitely like made a hard left and you know we're, we're, we're definitely talking about the spirituality and, and bigger cosmos a lot now and I just was curious Susan if you could just kind of ground that in like how that literally was allowing Michael to do this work getting in touch with some of this stuff yeah sure I mean I can talk about that I guess I'll tell you that when Michael first showed up at my door he came, you know, as a teenager. Some of you may know, when he was a teenager, he ended up in this mindfulness meditation group. And so 
his experience of spirituality, and again, I don't love that word, was very much cast in a certain mold. And it's a mold that's very much about not being in the world. It's an anti-materialist world. It's a vegan world. It's an ascetic world. And he wanted nothing to do with that. And because of those kinds of lifestyle values, he had really just gone the whole other side. And then he found his way to me. And I think one of the things that he loved about me, that even though there was this deep vein of spirituality... I was a total get-down-dirty material girl, you know? And I I said to him, are you kidding me, dude? I spend a fortune on face cream, you know? I'm all about how I look. I'm the vainest spiritual teacher you're ever going to meet in your life. It's fine. And we have to integrate everything. And often we would talk the day after a show, and I would say, yeah, yeah, you were brilliant. Yes, you're a comedic genius. All that is fantastic. But I hate the shirt you were wearing. Why were you wearing that shirt? It clashes with the background. And, you know, for me and Michael, it was always about how do we completely integrate all the wonder and magic and incredibleness that was inside of him and and strengthen that so it really can hold him in the work that it was really clear to me that he was here to do. And especially in this last year, and even, I mean, we just happened to have a really long FaceTime call literally the night before he died, And he was going on and on about, I see it, I see it. The inner is so important. The inner is so important. You have to help me. Over the next few weeks, I want you to really help me integrate all the inner with the outer. And that was very much what the work was about. And for me, you know, spirituality, it's not some pie-in-the-sky, loosey-goosey, airy-fairy kind of I-don't-know-what. It's about being fully present in our lives and really embracing our lives in the world and doing that with as much presence as we possibly can. And, you know, so many people are talking about Michael's heart. Well, that heart was huge, and that that's what true spirituality is. When Michael talked about kindness, when Michael, you know, especially in these last months, he was so done with all the toxicity on the left, that's coming from a deep spiritual wisdom and insight inside of him because he got like we're all in this together even all the people we can't stand on the other side we've got to build bridges that's a true spirituality and i think he was really beginning to understand that the work you know what joshua was saying was saying just before the work is enormous the planet's broken you know the political situation it's like I'm 72 years old. I never in my life thought I would see anything like this in my lifetime. It's unbelievable. And Michael knew better than anyone that if we're not continuing to do the work of strengthening from the inside out, there's no way we're going to have the strength that we need to, to take on the problems that we face and to find ways to make peace between everyone. And, and, and that was what his spirituality was about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, Lisha. No, it, it totally does. I think that, you know, you were able to kind of put some words to some sort of loose loose phrases that have been thrown around. And also just, you know, Michael didn't want spirituality or religion to be a commodity. He wanted it to be directly available to everyone. And he didn't want it to be like, he thought it was bullshit that the right has like such a monopoly yes. on, on these these ancient things that are like now become like kind of like and honestly an eye roll it's like you're not an atheist like okay you're kind of dumb like that is a bit of a prevalent narrative on the left and it alienates people and it doesn't mean you have to have this maybe it's not for you 
But you can have this and still have, you know, sharp political analysis. And, and that I think Michael, if anyone can prove that, it's Michael. Absolutely. Because there wasn't anyone sharper. Absolutely. No one was sharper. No one. He had a laser intelligence. Yeah. Such an amazing combination of qualities. So um, so that's a little introduction to okay. spirituality and politics. And, you know, as some of you know, the next book was going to be an integration of spiritual spirituality and politics. And, and I think all of us are very committed to continuing the legacy of his work. And part of that is going to be, I know David was working on another series of books with him. And, and, and by the way, David, let me just say those commentaries that you guys wrote together, oh, my God. I would always text him the next day and say, oh, my God, that was brilliant. And I hope that you will publish all of that work because it's so important. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, you're very welcome. It's so important. And, you know, what can I say? Spirituality is about vision and insight and trusting one's intuition and really listening to the, to the deep voice of our inner being. And that's what Michael wanted mm-hmm. people to really get at a very deep level. He had no interest in any kind of, I don't even know what to call it, wishy-washy, hocus-pocus. That's so not what he was about. And again, I think that's what drew him to me, because I'm like this, so, I've often been referred to as a very practical mystic. You know, Michael always said, you're like this weird blend of yoga meets Jung meets Machiavelli. And it's like, what? how does that all come together? And yet, to me, that's what we all want to strive for. And Josh knows where Machiavelli comes from. You know, I, I think the language Michael used was dignity and respect, and I think that that was, you know, spirituality to him was exactly. dignity and respect and dignity and respect. Exactly, exactly. And that's really it, you know, and, and that comes from a deep knowing that underneath we're all the same. Yeah, like, universal we're principles. We're all the same. We're all the same. And it's just our identity that gets in the, in the way. So it's very late. The show has gone on way longer than I think we all thought it would. Doesn't um, everybody want to say goodnight? I mean, it's wonderful to see you guys. And, you know, Alicia, of course, I love you, Dealer, and David, and that I barely know you except for the show, but it's very nice to be with you in this way. I did see you at the live shows, too. And so, it's so great to see you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so yeah, thank you, Susan. Thank you, Matt. Sweet dreams, everybody. Sweet dreams. Okay. We have a little more. We have a little more. Yeah, we have a little bit more ahead of There's us. Actually. Clips. What, actually, yeah, you're going to do the compilation now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got I'm some clips. That. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye and go back and watch the compilation. Can I do that? All right. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Wow, that was wonderful. Well, you know, to everybody who's uh, still watching with us, you know, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, we were just able to hear from so many different people in life, Michael's life, you know, from a full spectrum. Um, and I hope that, you know, you were able to appreciate the really beautiful tapestry that he created of people around him and just how much love uh, that so many folks have for him. Um, so just programmatically, um, what we're going to do next is we have a, uh, would you like me to put it, do it from my computer, Matt? The I got it ready here. Okay, you have it ready. ready. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do super producers. Uh-oh. <laughs> Um, we have a short compilation, you know, about 15 minutes or so, of clips of Michael's uh, that Forrest has painstakingly put together. And, and thank you so much again, Forrest, and everybody's put in work over this past week um, that we're going to watch. And then we'll come back on very briefly 
um, to sign off with all of y'all. And then we have a lot more after that. We have over an hour of, um, of short videos that we, because we couldn't have everybody on the live shows you've seen. It's just, it's, it's difficult to get, squeeze everybody in. Um, and so many people were so close to Michael and he affected their life so much that we actually have um, around another hour, actually, of just short uh, videos, around two minutes from lots of different people um, who reached out, from Glenn Greenwald to Richard Wolf. I mean, so many different folks. I, I can't even start going down the list. Um, so I hope that y'all, you know, will stay with us um, through that and thank everyone for being here. And uh, if we're ready, we can pull up this. this yeah. List. So uh, you guys, when we play this, just uh, kill your video so we can uh, just so you're not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, uh, here we go. So uh, basically, I'm uh, in August launching a new show. It's going to be called very inventively the Michael Brooks Show. Wow. Uh, How long yeah. did that take you to come up with? You know, ironically, it took a really long time <laughs> because first you go through like a Trying million like, like, oh, like, ironic. yeah, and none of them work. Right. And then at a certain point in like a state of exhaustion and trying to like come up with like clever inversions of like Vibes Cartel songs, you're just like Michael Brooks show. I, I, I can't <laughs> lie, man. I, I'm a sucker for Nation of Islam, Obama. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the arc of history bends towards Sharia. <laughs> yes. 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 Sign me up for that, please. <laughs> what problem would you, everything you're building here right now, right? Do you want the government to tell you how to do all these things and all the regulations that you got to have your electric thing this far from this and like all of the, the regulations like that for construction are important though. You do have to make sure that people don't do stupid shit. But, make but sure you don't have a power line near a water line. You gotta, you, there's a lot of. But I would put most of that on the builders though. They want to build things that are good. Now I get it. Oh, I get, that's not true. Listen, people. No, no, cut, people are going to build corners all the time. Like you have to have regulations when it comes to construction methods, they, or people are going to get fucked. They cut regulate. They cut corners when there are regulations anyway they do they would cut a lot more if there weren't regulations i'm not totally to third world countries and look at construction methods they're fucking dangerous yeah that's why schools collapse on kids in foreign countries sometimes you know it's so silly to even unfortunately to have to talk about these little nonsensical things because i because I, I like talking about ideas not about people i can't i, I never can't asked for more money I can't that's number one i left i told them i can't believe he must not watch the critics right because if someone calls me out, rightfully so, for using some lame, tired argument, then I would be hyper aware of it and I wouldn't use that argument anymore. But he's still doing it. He's still saying ideas. I just want to talk about ideas. What are your ideas? I want to know what his ideas are. Uh, well, I can't. My brain is still in recovery mode from taking in so many high level important ideas. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to say that my brain is still in recovery mode from taking in so many high level important ideas. When, when did he say that? Was that recent? Uh, that was high level important ideas. It was within the last year and it was referring to a live event he did with uh, uh, Brett and Eric Weinstein. Oh, Happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an incredible concept. Nothing to worry about at all. Just relax.
<laughs> just relax, Dave. Just ideas. Just ideas. Just rational just, thought. Just rational thought, just Dave. Think rationally. Think rationally. Ooh. Mean feminist on college campuses not thinking rationally. He's sitting there in complete boredom, just like, yeah, well, you know, there was Jacob Javits, and there was Moderates, and there was... Jesus Christ, he's a nice kid, but he's not the brightest. <laughs> and all of a sudden, wait, the angels got Hernandez. This <laughs> <laughs> is your opinion on Brazilian Prime Minister uh, Bolsonaro, uh, Bolsonaro can we, uh, regarding... Can you, can you just play that again? Can we just do that again? What is your opinion on Brazilian Prime Minister uh, Bolsonaro uh, <laughs> regarding? Oops, there's a lot of things moving here. Bolsonaro. Your opinion on Brazilian Prime Minister Bolsonaro? So he's so he, see, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is he doing? Boy. <laughs> Boy. Talk about delusional. What a cuck. What a freak weirdo cuck. You know, Lula is older than him. He's a political prisoner. And you see him in those interviews. I have no Doubt Lula could outpush up that motherfucker. All right, guys, it's Lula time. People ask me why I talk about this so much. I I think like why would you talk so much about I don't know Nelson Mandela when he was in prison? It's extraordinary if you reach it how flimsy the evidence is. There's no evidence he ever lived in this apartment. There's no deed in his name. There's no confirmation, and that's all they got. For those who don't know, talk about Lula's presidential legacy, Michael. Why was he so popular? He lifted 40 million people out of poverty. That's the top line. 40 million Brazilians went from being in poverty to basically being somewhere in the lower middle class. One of the reasons that I do think Brasilia is so important is because it's going to reflect and parallel other situations we face. This is a very meaningful interview, and I just request that as you watch and as you listen, please spread stories about what's happening in Brazil. Because as we explained in that procedure before the United Nations, Judge Sergio Moro always had a political agenda. Do you think there was a, a U.S. role in the lawfare and political process against Lula and the Workers' Party? What I would say is that uh, by the logic of things, uh, I, I have the impression that, yes, there was. Right. But what's amazing about these leaks is that not only did the prosecutors, who, of course, in public were saying the evidence is overwhelming, the evidence is irrefutable, the evidence is undeniable – not only were they saying internally, we think the evidence is incredibly weak. We're not even sure we have a case against him. And I'm not talking about early on. I'm talking about like three days before they indicted him. I want to tape this. We're going to send this to some people in Brazil, as I'll all say. But they, uh, we're going to do a Lula Livre, Lula final, finally Livre from the audience, please. Lula Livre, please, everybody. Lula Libre! Lula Libre! Lula Libre! Greetings from Philadelphia to Sao Paulo! Lula Libre! Michael traveled down to Brazil. I'm not sure exactly where. Where did he, where exactly where was he? I don't know. I don't know what the, the specific location was. 
and he interviewed uh, Lula. As Brendan uh, described it earlier in the when we were in, before the show, um, this is like celebrating like this is like when your friend has a baby. Um, and uh, so congratulations to uh, Michael. As you can see in this picture, he is ecstatic and Lula looks a little bit nervous. You quoted a writer whose name I'm forgetting from Mozambique to Glenn Greenwald who said when the people are afraid they elect monsters to protect them. And I want to know two things about this. One, I know of course we need a program policy, intellectual program but what is the, are there um, like uh, spiritual or emotional qualities a leader needs to help take the people out of fear, have some sense of hope, and, if I may, is Bernie Sanders that kind of leader? I dream this is Cornel West talking about the courage to love. And I don't think we should shy from these words. And I don't think we should shy from whatever way you take it. The spiritual work and I do. That's one of many reasons, obviously, that I admire Cornel West so much. Is I do think that that I wish there was a better word, but that spiritual dimension that I that connection of the humility with yourself with the real bonds of empathy, because there has to be a actual corollary with the material efforts or it's not, it, it, it is not going to happen. It is no one else with the sort of age and stature right now holding all of this besides Cornell West. I mean, I cannot emphasize he is absolutely the most important public intellectual we have and we have an abundance. So he's got to check and see what the polls say. <laughs> and he- <laughs> You know what I love? I love that he has two modes. So when he says something like, Bernie Sanders is my, you know, vanilla brother, you go, okay, well, here's the soliloquy coming. And then what's awesome is that when he says, Joe Biden's a wonderful, uh, is a good man, then you know it's like, oh, oh. the soliloquy's yeah. coming. Like it's, it's the same starting point for total exaltation or complete yeah. shade. Thank you. And it's an immense honor to be here including definitely with Dr. West, who is an influence on me. And one of the major reasons that he's an influence on me is because of that synthesis and the ability to hold multiple truths, that we have to have some sense of a capacity here to do something with democracy and then also not lie and deceive ourselves about what we are and what capitalism is and what empire is. You know, to make a long story short, we we spoke on the phone a couple of days ago and uh, he's going to be on the show next Tuesday. So nice. I'm super stoked. Hey. I'm super, super stoked. Dr. West, thank you so much for doing this. 
Brother, I'm the one who's blessed, and I want to salute you, not just for the work you do here on the radio, but your recent text against the web, dealing with some of these right-wing intellectuals, trying to keep them accountable, and you do a marvelous job, and it's just a blessing to be in conversation with you, though, brother. Indeed, indeed. The blues, of course, is uh, is, is tied to a kind of a defeatless hope. That the hope can never be crushed, but you know you're going to get pushed back and probably lose anyway, but you keep coming. I'm very happy to welcome to the program Slavoj Zizek. I have no doubt that you've heard of him. He's written. I'm more happy than you to be at your show. (laughs) I love it. A true leader is not the one who knows better than you. What do you want? A true leader is the one who makes you aware of what you are able to off of your freedoms but i love this joke Mm. Uh, three a handful of middle-aged jewish ladies are out for lunch and the waiter comes in the middle of the meal and he says is anything okay this is my favorite right now are you (laughs) (laughs) so maybe uh, unfortunately i hope you had the same thing as me or i rather don't hope in my mind that that's what we are. What that's my attitude when I look at the news. Like is anything, <laughs> exactly. okay? is anything good that you hear in the news? You know, you know. To me, obviously, you know, Adolf Reed, primary intellectual influence on me, credible hero, brilliant intellectual. You know, Cornell West has meant a lot. Slavoj Zizek's meant a lot, and uh, you know, Noam uh, Noam means a lot. Joining us now. Very, very honored and happy to have him is Professor Noam Chomsky, who has been a public intellectual, linguist, activist uh, for decades and is author of, of course, many books, including Manufacturing Consent, co-author of that book, big influence uh, on me and this show. One of the many pieces of activism that we've uh, appreciated, I've appreciated immensely that you've been involved with, was advocating for President Lula when he was a political prisoner. And and, and we were uh, honored to cover it significantly on this show and including using clips of yours explaining the situation. Trump is actually, this sounds strong, but it's true. He is the worst criminal in human history. Undeniably. Well, I just want to note, first of all, you're always at a bit of a disadvantage when you're up against an accent. So I just want to have that noted in the playing field. So I support Ilan Omar. I don't buy. And and I also, in fact, support uh, Corbyn, in fact. And the reality is, is that these things are going to become debated on the merits. And we're not going to have a false equivalency and actually drag down the profoundly serious issue of anti-Semitism by equating it with all criticism of a sovereign nation state that administers apartheid in reality. You are doing this and you're saying it in a way that that person's going to see. And the same could be applied to uh, Dave Rubin and (laughs) Sam Cedar dunking on him all the time. It's kind of the same thing. And Michael Roberts as well. Pause it. Uh, (laughs) Michael Roberts. So I first saw this, and I honestly... Oh, hurt. Was that just like a knife through the chest right there? I actually honestly thought it was really funny. And I was thinking of, before we pull this tweet up, don't, don't pull it up just yet. 
But I thought that Michael Roberts would be a hilarious character. Like I could do <laughs> Joe Rogan, like like the thing of like, yeah. like the problem with David Rubin is like he wants to talk about ideas, but like if you're going to enter into that idea dojo. You have to be a black belt. I mean, there's a lot of, I understand that Frederick Douglass making a lot of the right noises, but I have a lot of concern about what it actually means when the Negro actually is in the main house. And I shouldn't be condemned for saying that. It's somehow if like Sam is calling him to whine. Cause you could see like with Obama just like, I think what Sam misses is that we need to build bridges in order to deal with the problem. Yeah. And then it would just be like somehow George Bush would be like, so we just uh, we just set off a brand new drone Pakistan a program in Pakistan, but I'm guessing you have a problem. <laughs> I didn't say something about a thought experiment on national television in order to encourage yahoos to harass people who own Seven Elevens. Go ahead, Sam. Bother me with your nonsense. This is I, Nelson Mandela from Robben Island. I'm going to need a great deal of space right now. (laughs) The way Steve Biko spoke about me at the meeting, I don't know if we can do rebel operations in Mozambique until I have 10 months of self-care. Tulsi Gabbard. Raisins. Actually, he was enormously well-behaved, I have to say, by his standards. Could very easily see like uh, him becoming a. Why, why don't people vote for fucking Tulsi Gabbard? Jesus Christ, the pure sheer human beauty. Do you remember when he got caught on tape, uh, hot mic talking about how hot Melania was? Oh, I vaguely. <laughs> he literally, that. it was oh, amazing because no. he literally. It was no, like it was that. like it was like a. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 this pure descent of the divine goddess. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Thank you. Oh Lord. In 1971, I had a conversation with a retired beat cop, and he liked Ed Muskie, and he liked uh, Franco, actually. You know, a lot of people don't like Franco, but a lot of people admired Franco. You can think what you think one way or another. We got to ask where people are standing. And I got to tell you, this beat cop, who I met in 1971, I think he died many years ago, he would not vote for Bernie Sanders. And the Democratic Party needs to ask itself, will Chris Matthews' imaginary friends vote for Bernie Sanders? All right, guys. Peace and love. Lula Livre. Bernie. See you soon. What's your name? Do you want to come on? All right. This gentleman grabbed the camera and thank you. Many people know me. My name's Tom from Yakubia. Tom from Yakubia. (laughs) I do know you. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Bernie 2020. Bernie 2020. Medicare for all. Medicare for all. Anything else? Uh, a place for everybody to sleep. A place everybody for everybody to sleep. sleep. We're running out of like bucket list guests. <laughs> Revealing, like, in my yes, in my weirdo version of a bucket list, we've hit all of them as soon as Cornell's on. Like Lula, Adolf Reed, Zizek, Cornell West. Like I don't like yeah, I'm done. <laughs> the, the bucket list interviews have been hit. Wow. That was that was really touching. Jeff Forrest. <laughs> Thank you for so much for putting yeah, that together. And I think it was it did a good job of <clears throat> capturing a little bit of uh, both the humor <laughs> and the seriousness and just quick cuts like it always was to working with him. And I like that he included how much guys like Zizek uh like loved being on our show. 
which yeah. is I was, we were really proud of that. Like these older guys, like they thought of our you know platform as a place to come and have a conversation. Right. Hundred percent. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Um. So you know we we have a, a minute or so here, but um. You know, again, thanks to everyone who's watching. Um. Coming up next, uh, we're going to have a. A huge compilation of you know short videos that his friends and contributors have put together. It's really beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm excited to share it with everybody, and you know we'll try to clip it up or, or put it out in other forms later in the future. But I just wanted to take a second, um, just because you know this is such a, a raw time, just to say you know thank you to to Alicia and Matt and. And everybody um, and his family, you know, for sharing their their son and their brother with me. Uh, Michael was one of my absolutely uh, dearest friends, and it's difficult to think about going on without him. But I know, I know we can do it, and um, I'm just so inspired and touched by everybody. And I just I can't express my gratitude to all of y'all. Yeah, I am. Um... I, I, I mean, it's it's grief is so weird. It's like one day you, it's like some moments you can't move. And right now, I'm just in this complete denial of that he's gone. Like I just, I just can't believe it. Like I, we are watching those clips. And I'm laughing and just like I just want to tell Michael, like oh, I'm getting to spend so much time with David and Matt, and they're so awesome. And like I, I'm, I don't, right now I'm I'm in a complete state of shock and denial and. Um, that, you know, I think it's okay to be honest about grief. It, it looks, it, it, there's no way it, it's supposed to be. And right now, I'm just in a minute of just not believing that it could have possibly happened to me. This, this horrible, horrible thing. And um, I, David and Matt, it has been just like such a, a like, I don't know, a rudder and comfort to be able to just be in touch with you guys and, and get to figure out together how how we move this work on and, and what you, your vision for the show is. And um, that is like the one kind of that is like the one comforting thing right now. Um, I, I can't lose it because I'll lose it too hard. But um, so much love and, and and just thank you for putting helping my brother put his work out there. Like your skills and also Van and Forrest and everyone on the team. Like you you guys were working together, you know. And there were so many other people, Adam and, and everyone, and just in this extended network that were just doing this work and we've been roasting Michael about how he was late and you know a little disorganized and all that but like he was picking all of you because those are things he couldn't do and so without you like you were the infrastructure for how this was happening so like this this work being out of the world like you you really need to sit and acknowledge yourselves and and you know we're eternally grateful for the work you've done and the work that you all continue to do and that's everyone who's been on the show and has messaged all of us and that is every single one of us all over the globe thank you Visha thank you um did you have anything in that sorry um no I, I don't know if I have anything more to say right now I know I mean I just I appreciated seeing you guys so much uh this weekend it was uh it, last week was tough I've never experienced anything like that like there was times I was crying so hard I couldn't even lift my arms up like just yeah I'm crazy and because he's been you know before we did Michael Brooks show we did two dope boys we started that he trusted me so early like that was yeah. we started that spring of 2016 I had only started in fall October late October of 2015 
and we made a Ben Carson rap in t- November 2015. <laughs> that was like the very first time. <coughs> the very first time I think, um, you know, our our like early on our comedic. The thing is, is like people talk about like what, you know I can. People say in the chat like I can be funny that I can't help make up for Michael, but like it's so weird to make. Part of it was making Michael laugh. That's what I oh, love doing so like much. Supreme honor. Yeah, and it's like I I. Most of what I said, it wasn't to make the audience laugh. It was to make Michael laugh, really. Sure, of course. Um, and that's like, that's, it's going to take a lot of, like, in my mind, that's where I'm still geared towards. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big loss. And I'm just, um, I guess the, the only consolation has been how public and positive it has been. Um, it's been amazing to see, like, the effect he'd had and how much it would amaze him and gratify him, I think. So, yeah. Well, to, to everybody, you thank and again just thank both of y'all um but to everybody listening uh right now um we're going to come back and we're going to come back strong we're coming back with another milestone tmbs 150 um we're going to figure out when and how we're going to do it probably going to take a little bit of time before we jump back into that project but we're going to come back with something that we can all you know be really proud of and something that Mike will be proud of too because I'm trying to channel that Michael energy. It's like you gotta be great. You gotta yeah. be impeccable. You know, exactly. Yeah. So again, uh you know, signing off here for everybody. We love you all. We're gonna put on this compilation video of all of these beautiful tributes and I'm looking forward to hearing from everybody and seeing everybody soon. Thank you guys. Bye. See you everybody. Brooks, it's your brother from a Brooklyn staircase. It's only right. I want to thank you for the friendship and for the knowledge, for the laughs, the insights, the encouragements. You spoiled us with your presence on this planet. And it's sad. It's a lesson that we didn't realize just how lucky we were to have you for this short amount of time. You made politics fun. You made politics international, hyper local. You made politics hip hop, reggae, spiritual, funny empathetic compassionate you fought for us you nurtured us you educated us you embraced all of us and even tried to engage with the most problematic characters among us you checkmated pseudo intellectuals with comedy boldness honesty grace ease you continue to give us hope continue to give us strength you're a legend the great unifier of the left taught us how to be better human beings some people are so unique and rare that their work becomes even stronger after death, you're amongst them. Your words will forever guide us as we march forth on our mission. I love you, Michael Jamal Brooks, my brother for life from flesh to stardust. May your name forever shine. This is Richard Wolf from Democracy at Work, and I would like to say a few words about Michael Brooks. I'm as sad as I'm sure all of you are about his loss He was a wonderful friend. We worked together. He appeared on my show, Economic Update, as I did on his. What I remember most about him, besides his energy and his warmth and the sharpness of his questions and comments, was what we talked about in our last conversation, about the need to reach out and do more programming on international issues. He was further along in that than I am and showing me ways to do it. I really will miss him. I really will miss the chances of developing the projects we discussed. And I know that all of you who share much that we got from all that Michael did feel the same. 
My heart goes out to all of you. I feel the loss. We are still few, and this country needs us so badly. And we lost one of the people who could have made the biggest difference of all. In solidarity, this is Rick Wolf for Michael Brooks and all of you. Hey, uh, my name is Bill Fletcher. And I could, I would say that I was a friend of Michael's. When I was 17, I uh, lost one of my best friends. Circumstances are irrelevant to this. But the thing that struck me the most was that I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. Um, his death was very sudden. Um, I did not expect it at all. The last time I had spoken with him, we had talked about getting together when he was back in town. And that never happened. I never saw him again. I never had a chance to say goodbye. I never had a chance to thank him for having been such a wonderful friend. And when I got word that Michael had passed as suddenly as happened, I felt much the same way. Uh, obviously, it was a loss, a tremendous loss to all of us, to our movement. But there was a particular deep loss that I felt in that I was not able to say goodbye. I was not able to thank him for his great work, for his courage with his podcast, with his views, with his editorial style, uh, his willingness to take risks. I didn't have a chance to thank him for his support, his being there, um, the, the relationship that we built over several years. I didn't have that chance. And that's what affects me the most. He's a wonderful guy, irreplaceable, a great friend to many. And I miss him. I really miss him. My name is Jean Badgeland, and I, like you, I'm in mourning for the loss of Michael Brooks, someone who to me was, first of all, a friend, and secondly, a colleague. Michael's passing at such a young age is a tragedy and an incalculable loss, both to his friends and his family and to the left community at large. Michael did more than anyone in leftist media space to educate a generation on not only the importance of understanding international affairs in an academic sense, but also caring about them in a deeper way. And he did so with wit, humor, charm, relatability, and intelligence, making these issues accessible to people from all walks of life. Michael, for example, will be rightly remembered for his tireless advocacy of Brazilian President Lula da Silva, but much of the work that I did with him focused on Middle Eastern affairs, and this speaks to Michael's extensive understanding of international solidarity and how he saw the struggle for human emancipation and dignity as a global circle, and how he called upon us to look beyond our petty differences and parochial interests to see a bigger picture. And I hope, moving forward, that we can find ways to not only honor Michael's name and remember him, but to continue the project that he dedicated his life to.
The main thing that's coming up for me now that it's been a few days since we got the news is not only how generous Michael was, but how serious he was about building a bench on the left. So he just paid such close attention to what people were saying on the left. And if he saw something that he liked, he would he would invite people onto his show and regardless of whether or not they had a large platform. I mean, if they didn't have a large platform, I think he wanted to give them a platform. And this is exactly what happened to me. I mean, you know, I, Michael first invited me on his show when I'd been writing for Jacobin part-time for only a few months. I don't think anyone was paying attention to what I was doing, except for probably Michael. And when he invited me on his show, it was the first time that anyone had ever invited me to talk about my political writing under any circumstances. So I was nervous, but he was just so easygoing and and he just guided me through that conversation and he invited me back over and over again until you know I had built up my own confidence and I wasn't nervous anymore. Um, and I think that was one of his, his finest attributes. And I think that was not just a personal attribute, but a, a part of his, you know, political project. And, and the other thing that's coming up a lot is, is that I think Michael was both ecumenical and principled. I think that, you know, he had a backbone. I mean, he would, he would speak up and give his own opinion on certain ideas and debates, but he, he also did, he wasn't, you know, like, like developing a sort of like do not talk to list based on people who disagreed with him. And, and I think that that's, I think that's exemplary behavior on the left. And I want to be more like that. Hey, Michael Brooks show. Uh, it's Derek from the foreign exchanges newsletter. Um, I wish I was joining you guys under happier circumstances. Um, Michael had me on the program a number of times to talk about foreign policy, and uh, I was always so honored for the chance to to join him. I had him on my podcast a couple of times. Um, you know, people have said so many nice things about him. Uh, so many people have said so many nice things about him since his his passing, and I think that's a testament to how many people he touched, not just um, directly or personally, but but through his work. Um, the thing that always stuck out to me about Michael, uh, you know, and people have talked about how funny he was and how intelligent and what a great podcaster he was, and all of those things are true. Uh, the thing that, that always stuck out the most to me about Michael was his compassion uh, and how global his compassion was. You know, Michael wasn't just somebody who uh, wanted to make things better in, in the United States, although he certainly did want to do that. He, Michael wanted to make things better for everybody in the world, and, and he really felt that, and he lived that, uh, and it was a major focus of his work, and I think that's a, uh, not just a, a badly needed thing uh, in the world these days. It's also, unfortunately, a rare thing, and it was uh, always so amazing to, to watch him and, and to see that kind of come through in his work. He will be sorely missed, and um, my best thoughts and uh, and wishes go out to all of you and to his family and uh, everyone who knew him. I first encountered Michael through his show and was immediately struck by his intelligence, his humanity, and above all, his incredibly sharp wit. He had strong opinions, but they were rooted in knowledge, not in some knee-jerk reaction to the issues of the day. He would talk a lot, but he would listen a lot too. He would converse in the most essential term of the word. And we had many conversations over large numbers of 
glasses of wine. I grew up in South Africa and worked a lot in Israel and Palestine, the wider Middle East, and of course here in the United States. And we talked a lot about all those places. And for Michael, the mold always had to be broken. Nothing was restricted to geography. Apartheid was not something unique to South Africa, for example. It exists in Brazil and Israel and here outside my apartment in Washington, D.C. In South Africa, there was a term called Ubuntu, which means humanity, a shared sense of humanity. It's essentially about that concept of self and others that transcends national binds, national tribe, race, gender. It transcends all of that and creates a sense of common oneness between everybody, wherever and whatever they are. But it's not a philosophy. It also depends on execution. And Michael was a prime executor of the concept of Ubuntu. He was well aware of the millions that lost their lives before their time in conflict against inequity in many parts of the world. In South Africa, there was a phrase for comrades who fell during the struggle and beyond. That phrase was Hambagashle, which means go softly, go peacefully, go gently. From me, Tamara and Kai. Hambagashle, Michael. Hambagashle. I'm standing on the roof of my house in Sao Paulo. It's a place that I had invited Michael to visit next time he came down here, shown him photos from up here, and he was excited and he was planning on it. We had some projects underway. I first became friends with him through his incredible support that he gave for our project at Brazil Wire. At a time when we were being basically ghosted by everyone in the U.S. media and even in the left media, aside from a few academic institutions and This Is Hell Radio show in Chicago, Michael became one of our biggest, earliest supporters. It was a really big deal for us because until that point, a lot of people were not taking us seriously. Now time has shown that our analysis that the U.S. was involved in the 2016 coup and Lula's political imprisonment was correct. But for years, even though the information was publicly available, no one would talk about it. So about a year and a half ago, after Lula had been in jail for a few months, Michael started pestering me like, Brian, when are we going to interview Lula? Can you set this up for me? I was like, how am I going to do that? So we worked together. Finally, after he was released... They, they gave us the interview, and Michael came down here for a week, and he was ecstatic. And it was a time in which I really got to know him. And, you know, we didn't always agree on politics, especially stuff going on in other places around the world. I think it didn't matter because, like, a sign of a true friendship is that you don't always have to agree on everything. I valued his friendship and his support very deeply, and my heart goes out to his family, his friends, and his supporters. And it's just not going to be the same without him. There's... So many things I could say right now, um, but I also find myself at such a loss for words. But what I will say about Michael is that I have never met anyone so gracious with their platform, um, so eager to share. Um, Not only was he really freaking smart because he's the most well-read person I have ever met but he just would imbue um, his intellectual curiosity with a lot of emotional intelligence and it's just something that is really rare to find um, especially in an industry that can be pretty cynical like media and politics Um, 
and that's something I've always admired and appreciated and so grateful that I had an experience to, you know, experience that. Um, I just want to say, um, in the words of Michael Brooks himself, our final conversation when he was checking in on me, um, after my father had passed, um, when I told him I was just hanging in there, he said, good, we need your voice. And that's something I think I'm going to be taking um, with me and carrying on with me because his voice has was so instrumental to my own development. And I think the only way to honor him is to continue that work and continue to carry on his voice and our voices in the struggle ahead. Um, thank you, Michael. Love you so much. Hey, it's Corey Pine. There's a lot I could say about Michael's generosity, his spirituality, and his humor. Many others already have. Uh, every time I think about something that might have made Michael laugh, a new character or something like that, I get sad. But I also laugh to myself uh, thinking about what his reaction might have been. I want to talk a little about the work he was doing and why it was so important, why it's on all of us to make sure it continues now, building socialism requires more than anything an educated people and fundamentally Michael was an educator by putting a show on YouTube he took education to people right where they lived I was looking through some of the comments on his show after he died and I saw a young person mentioning how Michael saved them from becoming a reactionary right winger there's a lot of stories like that uh, today with fascism thriving out in the open and constant propaganda pushing people in that direction i can't imagine more important work than what michael was doing and we all need to think about how we can carry on that work without the tremendous asset that was michael's voice he clearly resonated with people uh, and even beyond his work simply as a friend he made a huge difference in people's lives he certainly did in mine i miss him a lot i wish we talked more before he died Keep close to your friends, folks, and remember that education is the key. That's how I will be trying to honor Michael and his memory. Much love to all of you at TMBS. Please stay in touch. Okay. Um, Michael's passing is is first and foremost, of course, an, an immense personal loss for his family and friends, and all my love and solidarity goes out to them. Um, it's also obviously a huge loss for our, our movement, um, for the international movement uh, for socialism and for a better future, which Michael was an integral part of. Now, when I when I think of Michael, I think the first thing I think of is I, I think of the infectious laugh he had uh, and and how he brought humour and humility and sincerity to everything he looked uh, he looked into and engaged with. Um, and I think of him also um, importantly as an educator, as somebody who made a crucial contribution to raising the level of analysis on the U.S. left uh, and connecting that up uh, with the broader international left. Um, I know Michael, like myself, was was heavily influenced by. The work and the ideas of Amalcar Cabral and Cabral had this uh, injunction for revolutionaries that they should never stop learning, that they should learn from uh, books, learn from conversations, learn from the struggles of others. And that's clearly something Michael took to heart. And because he was always learning, because that was a commitment he made, um, that made him such an important communicator and educator. And he's done our movement an immense service. Um, 
And even though Michael has passed, um, the work he did and the work that will be carried on by his, his friends and family will make a crucially important contribution to uh, any movement we build, uh, looking to develop a better future for all of us. Um, so you'll be missed, um, but his work will carry on. Rest in power, brother. Myself and Michael really became friends in the last nine months with the defeats of the Corbyn and Bernie projects. We'd be in touch every few days. Um, talking about the latest disaster to befall the left, allowing ourselves some disillusionment, but always, always with the eye on how do we build back, how do we win next time. And that is how I will remember Michael Brooks. I will remember him as somebody who got things done on the left, somebody who was a pioneer of socialist media, somebody who had these boundless ambitions, and even though too many of them weren't realised because his life was cut short, so many of them were, even in that short time that he was that he was alive, the number of people who he converted to socialism, the number of people who he tutored through um, and who developed different worldviews through connecting with Michael, uh, the number of new projects and institutions that he built. And he was a tremendously humane guy, somebody who would never forget to drop you a message in the midst of all of it, making sure you were okay. And his last Tribune piece, Michael said, um, talking about the Bernie campaign, we've, we built this great ship. Um, we didn't get it to where we wanted to go but now we have to take it to some other place and I think of Michael and his legacy at the same uh, in the same way Michael built a great ship um, and now that he has passed on the onus is on all of the rest of us involved in socialist media and who knew him um, to take that ship to somewhere that, that befits the contributions he made much love to you all at Michael Brooks show Hey everyone I'm Luke Mayville, friend of Michael's since 2008 when we first met in Turkey. I'm also the professor who sent in Michael's direction my student, David Griscom, someone who I'm very proud of, someone I know Michael was very proud of. Something David said the other day really struck me. Uh, when he was on the Majority Report, David said that Michael would never let him be hard on himself. That was who Michael was. In my case, it was, you know, begging me not to be overly sincere about everything. He knew I had a sense of humor. He wanted me to laugh. Uh, he hated humorlessness. Michael hated sanctimony and moralism, everything that held us back from being the best versions of ourselves. I think that Michael saw in us, his co-workers, his friends, many of his listeners, a spark of greatness. He didn't necessarily think that we had the same talents that he had or the same calling, but he saw in each of us a unique expression of what is humanly possible, and he wanted to help us live up to that. He wanted us all to join together in this fight for a better world, but I, I think that Michael believed firmly that the only way we'd have a chance of winning that fight is if we brought our full humanity to it. That was his humanism. That's one thing that he'll always be remembered for. I miss Michael so much. Thank you so much to all of you for doing this tribute. Peace to you all. Love you all. Take care, everyone. Bye. Hey everyone, um, I thought I would do this video from one of my uh, favorite hikes in Los Angeles. No, it's not Runyon, but the reason why I wanted to uh, do this video um, 
you know, remembering and, and celebrating Michael from this location is because it's one of the places that I would go to for solitude while also listening to the Michael Brooks show. Um, L.A. is, you know, obviously a very densely populated place. And sometimes I just kind of need to get away from everyone and everything. And it's kind of a funny thing to say when I'm consuming political news um through the Michael Brooks show while I'm looking for peace and solitude. Um, I've laughed and, you know, gotten angry and felt all these like emotions along with the audience uh, that watches this show. And afterwards, I always felt better. And it's because I always came away from TMBS learning something new and feeling like I was hanging out with friends um, and having a conversation with people who just get it. Um, and, you know, being in, on the left, you can feel super lonely sometimes. You feel like people don't really get it. And, you know, this was really my place of refuge. And I would usually listen to the Michael Brooks show while I did this hike. So I just wanted to quickly show you guys um, what this looks like. It's really beautiful. I like this hike because not a lot of people um, come here. But anyway, much love to everyone over at TMBS, uh, David, Matt, Ben, all of you guys. Please keep up the good fight. Please keep doing what you're doing. I know that Michael wouldn't have it any other way. And, um, you know, I'm going to be thinking about you guys and Michael every time I do this hike. And I'm hoping that you guys still uh, keep putting out the incredibly important content that you've been putting out. Love you guys. Michael Brooks is one of the smartest cats, most brilliant dudes I've ever met in my life. He had a way of synthesizing information, um, so many different points of information and historical analyses into uh, usable talking points, usable uh, positions. He was just, he was really the, the brightest among us, if you ask me. I think he was the brightest amongst all of us. And, um, and I think that's why his work has to continue. Um, I believe that he poured out everything that he had. I don't think he held anything back. And what he gave us um, prior to his death is enough for us to learn from for decades to come. Um, and so I think his work absolutely has to continue. And I'm so excited about the fact that his family and his friends are insisting that his his legacy is his work and that that continues. Uh, we're going to miss Michael, man. Um, he was one of the first people to give me an, an opportunity to be heard. Um, at least four years ago was one of the first times he brought me on the majority report. And um, from there, other opportunities came. And a lot of my supporters, in fact, I think probably 25% of the people who support me found me through the majority report because Michael brought me on. So, um, so much love and condolences and all, all that we have, um, to his family, to the, the friends and supporters of the majority report. And let's keep his work alive. Love all of you. Michael Brooks rooted for others. He possessed a wealth of talents. He was capable of deep and critical thinking and shared his thoughts by processing complicated ideas and distilling them down into readable prose and witty conversation. Michael was a reader, a thinker, a writer, and a comedian. Because he was also born into a wealth of leftist values, he shared it all. He gave it all away because he didn't suffer from the bane of most men's existence. He wasn't born with a pathological competitive streak. He genuinely rooted for others, and that's a hard thing to do, to root for others. 
Michael was young enough to be my son. And the first thing I thought when I met him was, I wish I could fix him up with my daughter. Michael bridged the generations. He pointed the way forward to his peers. And for people of my demographic, he pointed the way backwards to remind us of the world we, until recently, had given up on. He gently nudged me out of my neoliberal haze without making me feel stupid and showed me a better way, and that is to root for others. One of the comforts to getting older is knowing the people you love never leave. If you miss Michael, he's right in front of you. All you have to do is choose to root for others. Trust me, every time you root for someone else, it will be like Michael never left. So root for others, unless, of course, their names are Dave Rubin or Barry Weiss. I'm incredibly honored to have the opportunity to talk about the life of Michael Brooks, as well as his work and the friendship that I was so fortunate to have developed with him. As you might imagine, our interaction began because of what I would call his passion for, maybe even his obsession with and fixation on Brazil in the best possible sense of that term. And I remember when he first started chasing after me, wanting to talk constantly about Brazil, I couldn't really figure out what was motivating him. Needless to say, there aren't very Americans, American leftists or Americans of any kind that fascinated with Brazilian politics. I thought maybe he had this kind of romanticized image of who Lula was, not this very complex figure, but maybe this, you know, idealized uh, left wing guru or icon that was driving him. Or I thought maybe he had friends or family in Brazil. And the more I talked to him, I, I saw two things. One was that his knowledge about Brazilian politics was as sophisticated and informed and advanced as any American I know, including Brazil experts and think tanks and among journalists and writers. It was not just some passing kind of symbolic uh, gesture for him. It was something in which he was so deeply invested intellectually and politically and emotionally and the other th more important thing that I learned was about his motivation. What was motivating it was nothing more than his belief, not really in vogue any longer, that central to left-wing politics is, has to be the idea of international solidarity with other working-class uh, citizens of countries and with other left-wing movements, something talked a lot about in the 60s and 70s on the left, but barely ever anymore. How often do we talk on the left about what's done to the global south, about coups in Bolivia and Honduras, what's happening in Brazil, the treatment of Palestine? Not very often. And his view that he taught me, he really revitalized my understanding of and interest in this principle was that you can't have a meaningful left-wing politics if you're focused solely on your first world country, that the movement becomes so much more powerful strategically, but also so much more moral and ethical when it becomes international in scope. And so Michael was one of the few people insisting and urging that the left talk about Palestinians and Bolivians and Brazilians and so many other people in countries that is far far too easy to ignore and, and it became the basis of our friendship but ultimately what really made me admire Michael as a person was the fact that there were times when he would devote a segment to doing nothing more than criticizing 
a position of mine and I would watch it ready to be angry or defensive and I ended up with none of those things because he always spoke with such good faith, particularly about those he was criticizing, never distorting the views he wanted to dissect, but giving them their most generous interpretation. And so by the end, you end up learning from his criticisms instead of walking away antagonistic or angry. And there's so few people about whom that's true. And it's such an inspiring and valuable attribute. I'm so proud of the fact that the last time I tweeted about Michael's show was a segment um, where he and his two colleagues criticized me unflinchingly, not in a partial way, but in a full-scale way. And I did it simply because it was so illuminating for me personally. And I thought it would be for others as well. Hey, everyone. How's, how's it going? I know it's not a great time. For anyone right now, uh, 2020 has been terrible to say the least, but what happened with Michael is by far one of the most terrible things to come out of 2020, and it's hit us all pretty hard, and it's hit us all pretty hard, and I don't really know what else to say except Michael was a great person, a great human being, a great friend and also a great teacher and a great entertainer. A great thing about Michael, a wonderful thing about Michael, is that he could take things that could normally be dry in the wrong hands, uh, important things that weren't always uh, things that people were drawn to naturally, like politics, history, international affairs, things of that nature that were important to know but um, weren't always fun in many people's hands. He made them entertaining. He made them things that you wanted to tune into and learn more about every week and wanted to compile books on and read. I learned a ton about international politics and history and socialism from him that I didn't know. Uh, I looked forward to spending more time with him both uh, in real life as a friend and also exchanging uh, appearances on each other's shows and continuing to learn from each other and teach each other. And unfortunately, that's been taken away from us. But a great thing is that he left behind a body of work that we could not only keep revisiting, but I think a lot of people are going to keep discovering down the line. And I... Look forward to what you guys do with the space. I know it's going to be great, and I definitely hope you guys continue to use the energy and chemistry and fire that uh, has fire, has propelled you guys all this time to make something great and new with the space. Um, we'll all be watching for it, and I look forward to it. Hey, guys, it's Crystal Ball. You know, the thing that to me was so incredibly special and unique about Michael and what he shared and modeled for those of us who were lucky enough to get to know him and certainly for his fans and his viewers was this absolute commitment to intellectual fierceness. Didn't matter if the project of exploration brought him somewhere uncomfortable, somewhere messy, somewhere that maybe was uncomfortable for the people who was watching a show or for somebody on our own side. He would follow the track wherever it led. 
And I think it was part of his incredibly idealistic view. I mean, he really acted in the world. None of us can know what our actions or what we do is ultimately going to lead to. But he really thought that exploration for truth engaged in in a way of solidarity, in a way where we were all pushing in that same direction would lead to a better world. He thought more was possible than I've allowed myself to believe, really believing in this international vision of solidarity, of global solidarity, in fighting for the dignity of every single human being on the planet, not just confining himself to domestic concerns. That fierceness of idealism, that bravery is what I'm going to take with me from knowing Michael Brooks. Hi, this is Harvey Kay. I'm in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I obviously, I miss Michael just like we all do. And I can tell you that the last couple of years, few years, when I really got to know Michael well, I mean, before that we had conversations, but especially these last couple of three years, I was just blown away by Michael's intelligence, his energy, his commitment to internationalism, his commitment to history, his commitment to politics, his commitment to making history, to making a better history. So we all know that, okay? And I can reiterate that over and over again as I've been doing on other podcast shows. But I want to say something very specifically about what really, really impressed me about Michael that extended beyond his own talents. And that was that whenever I went to the studio, and I always made it a point of arriving early before I would be going on, and I always made it a point of staying on for the post game, because not only was it so much fun to be with Michael, and not only did he enable me to speak to a generation that I get in the classroom, but I don't get to speak otherwise to. Hi, it's Alona Minkowski. And I just want to thank you for allowing me to say a few words about Michael. Um, it's obviously been an incredibly sad and painful and difficult time for all of us who knew him and cared about him. Um, and I just want to say thank you to him. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to call him my friend. Um, I want to say thank you for all of the support and advice uh, that he gave me over the years and I hope I was able to provide some of that in return and I think that that's you know one of the things that really made him unique is that um, Michael not only pushed on a global massive scale for people to be treated equally uh, and to be good to each other but he also really embodied that uh, as a person in his individual relationships that he had and I think that that's rare to find that combination. Um, I am so glad that I got to be a part of the show over the years and have silly moments or showed up in my tracksuit or where, you know, I got to come in and talk about Russia and serious foreign policy with Michael. Um, and then, of course, he'd put a couple beers in front of me and it would trail off into me saying ridiculous things by the end of the show. Um, and I want to, you know, try to think of moments like that and smile and laugh and remember the really amazing and good times. Um, so my, my heart goes out to every single one of you who knew him, who cared about him, especially his family and loved ones, the TMBS and Majority Report family. And um, 
you know, Michael, I, I miss you. You were taken from us all way too soon. And I hope you know the impact and the influence that you had on, on so, so many of us, myself included. It's also because he had an incredible show, which included a phenomenal crew of David and Matt. I mean, David's commentaries often blew me away. I mean, I could not believe just how smart, just how critical regarding economic affairs they were. And I, I, I marveled at David, and I, I will always do so. And Matt, what really impressed me about Matt is, just, I may be exaggerating, but this is as I recall it, if Michael and I somehow forgot something, some kind of reference, whether it was popular culture or otherwise, Matt seemed to have it. He could just come right in and finish a sentence if we were stuck on it, okay? I mean, I cried the other times that I spoke of Michael, and one of the ways I may be avoiding that is by speaking of Matt and David, but I just love the three of them together. And I always made it a point of arranging my trips to New York so that I could be there on a Tuesday night because Michael and I had an understanding that I would do illicit histories by phone, but I would only do the show in studio selfishly because I wanted to be with those three, not to mention the brilliant Ben Burgess and his takedowns most often in the post game against right wing hacks. Okay, so listen, Matt, David, you guys are spectacular. I miss Michael. I'll miss our times in the studio, and I love you guys. Greetings, sisters and brothers. This is Milton Alimadi, publisher of Black Star News and adjunct professor of African history at John Jay College, and Michael Brooks' friend and comrade. Michael was a special individual. Michael wanted to improve the lives of everyone that he got in touch with, and even people he never met. He wanted people to become the very best in life. That is why this loss is just so hard to take. Because you ask yourself, why is it that the person who wants to improve the lives of others taken away? His precious life is gone. And for those who continue, their lives are less rich because they'll never benefit from Michael's counsel ever again. This loss to me reminds me when I lost my beloved sister, Barbara, in April kept saying, please, you know, she must go. Let me have that one last conversation with her. Obviously, that will not happen. I will also never have that one last conversation with Michael. But I'm happy to say I did have a last conversation with Michael last Thursday. Michael, rest in peace. You've laid the seeds of something that will never die. The evidence is all the outpouring of warmth and affection from all over the world. People that are determined to do their part 
to make this world slightly better before we too part. So, a luta continua. Victoria Asata. Until we meet again. Comrade Michael. Well, my mother died in November, a very wise person. I noticed the difficulties I was having, and what he told me was really the only value we can ever find in the death of people we love um, is to focus on what they left us and to try and maximize its value in our lives. And Michael really did leave so much for all of us as a political activist, as a journalist, a commentator, an analyst, but mostly as a person. And I know he's taught me so much, and I'm going to focus on those things that he had uniquely to show us that could make us all better as human beings and as a movement and in our politics. And I hope everyone will do the same. Obviously, his death is incredibly horrible and tragic, and my deepest condolences go out to those who knew him best and loved him most. But I also do think that there is this opportunity for us to focus on why he triggered so much affection when he died, not just in the United States, but in Brazil and other places. How many people would that be true for that shows how special he was and how much he has to teach us all? Thanks very much. Michael Brooks, there's too much to say about you in 90 seconds. You were Willie Mays. You were Oscar Robertson. You had power, you had speed, you had skill, you had vision, you had range. Uh, man, you had range. You stuffed the fucking box score, dude. Uh, and out of that, at that vastness, that abundance that was Michael Brooks, I just want to pluck one word tonight. Um, one word. We know Michael was funny as hell. Uh, we know he was funny globally. We knew he was funny locally. Uh, his Connor Kilpatrick attempting to canvas a small town in New Hampshire, uh, for Bernie Sanders cracked me the fuck up. It cracked me up harder than anything I ever saw in his show. Uh, and that was, he just tossed that shit off, you know? Um, but when it comes to politics, the word I want to use for Michael tonight is responsible. Responsibility is not a big concept on the left, right? The right has made it a buzzword for years, personal responsibility. Um, but just to get professorial for a second. Uh, if you look at the etymology, responsible, what does it mean? It means answerable from the Latin respondere, to respond, to answer, to promise in return, to pledge. And that was Michael. There were, there were others in his role that were just as funny, just as smart, just as quick, just as global even, but, but very few on the left that I knew, uh, were, are responsible in that way, in the sense of answering to something, someone larger than himself, in the sense of promising something, promising everything, uh, to something larger than himself, and the depth of that promise, understanding it, the seriousness of it. Um, the left has guts, the left has wit, the left doesn't always have that profound sense of responsibility that Michael had, and we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss it like hell. I miss you, Michael. What I love about Michael, I think I can sum up in who he actually got starstruck around. Because there's only three people that he ever got kind of bashful about interviewing or talking to. And it was these three people. It was anyone from the podcast Come Town, uh, Stav and Adam. I remember him talking about how nervous he was to interview Adam from Come Town, which is really hilarious. Adolf Reed, who he had immense respect for and uh, was someone who that Michael had a, a wonderful friendship with, and Lula. And I think that just says a lot about Michael, which is that 
he, <laughs> at the same time as he was this really just like Yoda-esque socialist figure, like who was wise beyond his years. At the same time, he was very humble and trying to figure stuff out. Uh, he was a regular guy and he was a really funny guy. And uh, I'm thinking about one of our last Zooms we did where he did one of his recurring characters, which should probably remain private, but um, it was the best thing that's like, it was one of the best things that happened to me in months was honestly just that Zoom with Michael in the middle of this awful coronavirus lockdown, just getting to talk with him like everything's okay. Uh, but what it says about him is that he was a regular guy at the same time as he was this kind of, you know, brilliant and important figure on the left but who he prized actually making a difference in people's lives more than any subcultural thing, more than any catechism. And that's why at the end of the day, it's Lula. So Lula, Adolf Reed, and come down. I miss you, Michael. It's super rare to find someone in this industry like Michael Brooks, someone who was entirely principled, 100%, and we had disagreements. But what was so wonderful about Michael was that he was never disingenuous, not in his interactions with everyday people, with, with me, with his friends, and in his political analysis. He held his principles so dear to his heart, and so I knew what I was seeing was what I was getting with Michael. And that's a huge rarity in this industry. It's way rarer than I think a lot of people realize. Michael was principled but he was also really fun like being around michael was genuinely one of the most fun experiences i've had in my short time working in political media because he he never punched down and he always took the fight to the more powerful people and the more powerful actors and institutions and even in when he was talking to regular people, it was the same same deal. Genuinely good person, super loyal friend, and uh, an actor in politics who was fighting for the greater good on both a macro scale and on a micro scale. He could he he was focused, and that's really what sticks out to me. And I miss Michael very much because he was an emotional support system for me and so many others and was always there with a kind word of reassurance. And I wish some of this stuff I could have said to him when he was still here. So, Michael, you're very, very much missed. Hey, everyone. Uh, Matt Binder here. Uh, you know, it's, it's weird to do this show, the Michael Brooks show, without Michael Brooks. But, you know, I, I want to take this time to really uh, remember him because, I mean, he meant so much to so many people. Uh, I, you know, I think everyone has their own unique Michael Brooks story. But for me, you know, I, I met Michael, jeez, eight years ago now. Uh, in, in, in 2012, I was working at the Majority Report with Sam Cedar and, and Sam had just hired Michael. Uh, who was just you know a, a young guy from from Massachusetts who who wanted to do 
you know, political talk online. And, you know, it was a brand new world then, you know, in 2012, live streaming and YouTube streaming and live online podcasting. You know, it was all, you know, and I had the pleasure to do that with, with Michael, uh, you know, every day. Uh, we sat side by side next to each other and, and worked on the show and produced and, and, you know, before the show and after the show, just, just talking about politics and, you know, cracking jokes. And it was always, always fun with Michael. It truly is a, a time in, in my life that I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. It'll always be with me. I mean, he's, he's been such a, a influence really on, on, on all of us, but, you know, in, in, on me, in, in ways that I think, you know, our friendship really speaks to our friendship. Um, you know, he, I remember when he first launched the Michael Brooks show and I, and I had to joke with him because, uh, you know, we share the same initials, both first name and last name. And, you know, we did the Madden Mike show, the Madden Mike on Mondays on the majority port for so long. And I got to watch him grow as a, as a host um, you know, always, always a smart, funny guy, but I got to watch him really develop as an on air, you know, in front of all you, a talent on air. And I, you know, talent is a, is a great way, I think, to, to, to just describe Michael all around, just a very talented guy in so many aspects, you know, so many people, you know, there's people who are, who are good at, you know, maybe one, maybe two things. And Michael was just a total package where anything he, he set himself out, you know, set his heart to do, he did. And he did it really, really good. Um, you could just look at his, his work, a show, a live uh, show, empire he was building, you know, a, a book that he just got published. Uh, so yeah, you know, when he, he did this show, the Michael Brooks show, when he launched it, I was so, after again, after knocking him for the TMBS, stealing, I couldn't do the Matt Binder show. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but you know, that, that was the relationship we had always, always joking. And I think that's what we need to, and I know so many of you know him for his impressions and everything. And that's what we need to keep going here. You know, fill this, this, this emptiness that we probably are all feeling right now. We're still in shock with this news with the fact that, Hey, we have to f- keep fighting for what Michael, you know, fought for, you know, you know, Social justice issues, fighting for the poor, equality for everyone, you know. You know it, and at the same time, doing it in a way where it's just funny and fun to do. Because if you don't, you'll you'll go crazy yourself, you know. So, you know, I, it, yeah, just, it's... You know, there's so much to say about Michael. It's just I wish it wasn't, you know, under these circumstances. I wish it was. But on a positive note, carry Michael's legacy on. That's what we really have to do. And do it with a smile because that's really what he would have wanted. Uh, You know, love you, Michael.
Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.